Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. 10 hours of Entitled Parent Stories. Sit back, relax, and let's get straight into this. Entitled Mum sells me a broken guitar because her baby can't play it. Multiple good endings. This story happened some years ago while I was living on the East Coast. I was driving back home from a friend's house and decided to take a detour through one of the more nicer neighborhoods because it was the beginning of fall and I'm just the sucker for scenery. While driving, I just so happened to have found another thing that I go crazy for, a garage sale. With me having some money on hand, I decided that this was fate and pulled over to check it out. At first, I didn't really see anything special. Just the kind of stuff you would expect to see at any garage sale. Old furniture, clothes, DVDs, and other small items. But then, in the corner of my eye, I saw something that I just didn't expect to see. A guitar. I went in for a closer look, expecting it to be some kind of cheap, beginner guitar, the kind with a brand name you don't recognize. But no, what stood before me was an actual Gibson Les Paul. Side note, to those who don't know, Gibson is a very prestigious guitar brand name, and Les Paul is possibly their most famous model type. This model of guitar is legendary for being the weapon of choice amongst god-level rock stars. Example, Slash from Guns N' Roses or Ace Frehley from Kiss. Now, back to the story. She was beautiful, and yes, I refer to guitars as she. She was gold in color with white trim and looked kind of old, but was in really good condition. But what got me in an actual state of shock was the price tag. It said the price was $50. I couldn't help but think that the person selling this forgot to add another zero to the end, as well as a one to the beginning. So I picked up the guitar and went up to the woman handling the sale to ask her about it. Alright guys, so I've just gone on the internet because, you know, I was interested to see what the actual price of a Gibson Les Paul is right now. And as you can see, it's over £2,000 roughly, £1,500, anywhere from two dollars to $3,000 that is. Wow. Now, this woman didn't really look like a typical entitled parent, but her attitude and body language just radiated entitlement. It was like her aura was almost made out of pure smugness and hatred for the working class. Just by talking to her, I couldn't help but feel that she was the kind of soccer mum that you would expect to yell at the coach, as well as the referee, other parents, and maybe some kids, but I digress. Excuse me, mum, can I ask about this guitar? The price says it's 50 bucks. Is that actually correct? Yes, that's correct. Well, that is an unusually good price. Is there a reason for that? Yes, it's broken. I figured someone could use it like a decoration in their man cave or something. Hearing that just broke my heart, but it also got me curious because I couldn't find anything physically wrong with it. No cracks or any other signs of damage. I started asking more questions, thinking maybe I could fix her later. However, it was at this moment that any and all logic began to die and roll down a hill away from me. Can I ask what's wrong with it? Yes, my baby can't play it. Excuse me? My son, he says it's unplayable. Oh, does he work with guitars like a technician or something? Oh, no, he can't work. My baby is only 12. 
Hearing that stunned me for a quick second, but I then decided to try give the benefit of the doubt. I don't know this kid, so maybe he was one of those young musical virtuosos who got accepted to Juilliard early or something. So I take it your son is musically talented then? Oh, very much so. He plays that Guitar Hero game all the time. Um, what? what? Oh, you know, the game where you play music. He's constantly playing that game and is always getting the high score on it. I kept a straight face, but my mind was turning into that meme of the woman trying to do math. Let's insert that right now for those of you that don't know. So because of that, you got him a guitar. Well, of course, when you have a child as gifted as mine, it's important that you nurture their gifts. So you think he knows what he's doing? He obviously knows what he's doing. So if he says it's broken, then it's broken. Listening to her talk made my brain hurt, but it also helped me decide to take the chance and buy the guitar. While paying, the woman went on a long, insane rant about how the guitar was actually a gift from the kid's late grandfather from the dad's side of the family and how he must not like her son because he gave him an old hand-me-down guitar instead of a brand new one. Hearing all this legitimately upset me, but I just decided to just keep my mouth shut and leave. After getting home, I immediately took the guitar, plugged her into my amp, retuned her, that was all the maintenance she needed, and played a few notes and chords. To my amazement, she sounded perfect. It felt as if her soul was singing the praises of freedom. I spent the rest of the day playing and tripping out that not only have I purchased my first ever Gibson Les Paul, but I also only paid $50. But the story doesn't even end here. A few weeks later, I met a friend at a party who was an actual guitar technician. I told him my story and he said if I wanted, he could appraise my guitar for me and tell me her true value. I took him up on the offer and the results blew me away. It turns out my baby was a vintage Les Paul from 1973, retailing at well over $3,000. That doesn't surprise me, guys. We saw earlier what these guitars go for. $3,000 seems very, very reasonable. He then asked me if I was interested in selling, but I told him there was absolutely no way I'm ever letting go of her. But the story still doesn't end there. Shortly after getting my baby appraised, I get word from a friend who turns out works in the same office building with the husband of the entitled mum. She updates me about what she learned and apparently the entitled mum's husband is of course absolutely fuming. It turns out not only did the mum sell a very expensive guitar for just 50 bucks that was a gift from his father to her spoiled kid, but she also sold it without him knowing. Not only that, my friend informs me that the entitled mum has also been looking for me. My friend tells me that the mum wants to find me so she can demand the guitar back. Not offer to buy it or even pay back what I paid. She wants to demand that I give it back for free because apparently I scammed me out of a priceless family heirloom and robbed my child's ability to play music. My friend says she didn't say anything about her knowing me, but then asked me if I wanted her to say anything to them about who I was. I tell her absolutely not. If she wants a guitar, she can buy a new one with the money I gave her, just like she planned. And I agree that this guitar is a family heirloom, but it's my family heirloom now. Sorry, entitled mum. But if it means anything, if you are reading this, I named her Karen. Oh my God, I hope she sees this video. Incredible. Look, guys, the thing with that guitar is it clearly was not being appreciated at all by this entitled mum or the kid. I mean, maybe by the husband, but maybe, you know, not enough for him to, you know, warrant saying, no, we are never, ever selling this. 
um, clearly. So yeah, I think, you know, it's a better thing that OP's got the guitar now. As he said, you know, they weren't appreciating it. Now it's your family heirloom that you can keep for generations because of course it is such a legendary guitar. It is incredible that this, this family would sell that guitar, a $3,000 guitar for 50 bucks. It's a madness. And obviously they're gonna massively regret that, but um, you know, if you don't respect things, you don't like find out about them, then yeah. You, get, you deserve what you get. I mean, it's literally been passed down for you, like, in generations through your family. Wouldn't that be enough to, you know, cause enough to not sell it even if it was worth a lot of money? I don't know. Maybe they really need the money. But, you know, if you're trusting your 12-year-old kid because he's good at a game, Guitar Hero, that I love Guitar Hero as much as the next guy, but because I can play Guitar Hero does not mean I can play guitar, then yes, you are a, a stupid woman, I'm sorry to say, and you deserve everything you get, like making a massive $2,950 loss on a guitar. <laughs> Incredible. Now moving on to our second story, how not to react when your child finds a bit of bone. I was thinking back to an incident that happened when I was a young child. We lived in a harbour town. To either side of the harbour, the coast was lined with giant seaweed-covered, rat-infested boulders. In other words, a brilliant place to play if you were a kid. My N-mum, my narcissistic mum, often brought us there because she could let us loose on the rocks while she sunned herself in peace on a nearby beach. One day, it was in the local newspaper that a man had fallen off one of the piers and died. It happens, the waves are huge sometimes, hence the boulders. Within a week, it was mostly forgotten. My mum brought us down to play on the rocks as usual. I was playing and found what, to my childish mind, was clearly a bit of skull. The edges had been worn down and it had a few tiny barnacle things and bits of weed on it, but I fitted it to my head and it was exactly the same shape. I was very excited. Look, mum, I found a bit of skull. I cried out with the sort of innocent glee that only a young child can muster. I bet it's from the man who died. Of course, my claim was absolute nonsense. I was just looking for drama, trying to get attention. My excitement died as I was verbally berated, though, for daring to be thrilled with something that I found, thereby interrupting her me time. Still, I was a stubborn little thing and put it in my pocket to take home. A couple or so years later, I mentioned to someone in school, who happened to have normal parents, that I had a bit of skull in my important place, a secret hiding place. She told her parents, who told the police, who sent a very cuddly policewoman down to ask me questions and collect the bit of skull, which I wanted to keep because it made a nice bowl. It turned out that the newspaper had downplayed the details of the man's death and he'd been dashed to death near the boulders where we played. It was indeed a piece of his skull. Trump's current tantrum, not a patch on the hissy fit that my mum threw. How could I do something so disgusting? Why didn't I tell her? I've ruined her life again. You're legit telling me you found a piece of a dead man's skull who'd been murdered. I, I presume that, what did you say? You said that they downplayed the deeds of the man's death. He'd been dashed to death near the boulders. Where you found a dead man's skull and your mum was just like, you know, I don't care. Let me, you know, get a lovely tan. Wow. I'm blown away by that story, honestly. I mean, I don't really know what to say. I can't believe she then says, yeah, why didn't you, why didn't you tell me? Uh, now, I tried to, mum, on the actual day that I found this bit of skull. But yeah, I, all, honestly, throughout all that story, I was thinking just like OP was thinking, I presume, for, for years. Yes, I'm joking it was a bit of skull, but in reality, you know, it's probably just a little bit of rock or whatever. But no, it, it legit was a bit of skull. I'm shocked. I'm absolutely shocked.
Now moving on to our final post. Mother-in-law steals wedding decorations, mad when caught. We were married in a large pre-COVID ceremony in a local, large, beautiful hotel almost 20 years ago. We paid a small fortune for flowers as we got married post-Thanksgiving, pre-Christmas with burgundy and hunter green the colors. We had fresh garland and flowers added to the already provided ribbons and bows on the chairs that were facing the aisle the wedding party walks down as well as all over the venue. It was absolutely gorgeous. The wedding went perfectly and the reception even better. My mother-in-law even left her usual fanny pack and drover's coat off for most of it. The problem was the next day. We get a call from the wedding venue saying we needed to pay one and a half thousand dollars for missing ribbons and bows that were provided. I looked at my husband and we asked if we could find them and return them, would we have to pay? They said no. I asked if I could call them back. They said sure. My husband and I looked at each other and I said we both know who took them. He looked defeated and sighed. Oh, I know. He takes his phone out and calls his mother. Hello? Morning, mum. Did you take anything from the wedding venue when you left last night? What are you talking about? This is how you greet me on your first day of marriage? Look, we just got a call from the venue that they are missing a large amount of their bows and ribbons that they provided. We owe one and a half thousand dollars if we can't return them. We can't afford that. We were 19 and 24 years old when married and just bought a house. And see previous posts about the credit card issue. Okay. Look, mum, I know you have them. Just bring them back. But they belong to you anyway. They're trying to cheat you. No, they provided those. Bring them back now. What's the big deal? They can get the same things at Family Dollar. They're worth 20 bucks, not one and a half thousand. Well, then go and buy them at Family Dollar and bring those ones back. And my husband hangs up. She did eventually bring them back in three large garbage bags. We took them back and got a lecture. We told them to keep the flowers and garland in exchange for the hassle. If only this was the last of it. We still hear from my mother-in-law about how mean we were. 18 years later. We are pretty much no contact now except for large family events. So many more stories. Well, Opie, if your mother-in-law genuinely thinks that stealing decorations from your wedding is a legitimate thing to do and isn't a big issue then yes i would love to hear a lot more about her so please post some more stories and hit me up because uh wow <laughs> how could anyone ever think that's a reasonable thing to do i mean how would ever actually do that is she thinking like when she's taking all this stuff down obviously she knows she's stealing it right she can't seriously be thinking that oh this is uh my my, my sons and, and you know his new wives let me take it and just keep a hold of it until they're ready to get it like clearly she's not thinking that so what is she actually doing literally just stealing from the wedding venue or just taking things that she thinks look nice literally it was always going to come back to you and, and your husband that's what i don't get because it was your wedding if something goes wrong with it and you know someone has stolen something the wedding venue were always going to come to you and say something's been stolen it's on your head it's your party obviously it's your wedding so how can she be so dumb to not understand that this was obviously gonna you know come back to bite her in the butt and also the fact that you guys both knew it was your mother-in-law before you know you'd even found out it was genuinely her proves that she's got history of doing this and is obviously not someone that could be trusted with things that aren't hers entitled mum demands full refund for a bike her son crashed a little background 
I started working at a bike shop about a month after the lockdown started. Bike shops were still open because supposedly they count as necessary transportation. Anyway, I had barely any school and my MTB team wasn't practicing anymore, so I thought it was a good time to make some dough. I arrived at the bike shop around 9am and checked in with the owner slash manager. I was only allowed to work at the cash register and some occasional customer service since it was only my second week on the job. The other guys got to work on bikes in the back since a large part of our business was bike repair. The day was going pretty smoothly. Two people brought their bikes in for repair and one family bought three bikes for their kids. But then, dun dun dun, she came in. This lady came in huffing and puffing with her two kids being dragged behind her, plus one of the kids' bikes. No mask and all. I'm like, oh God, I can't do this today. So I say to her, could you put your mask on? It's store policy right now. To my surprise, she actually said, oh, sorry, I forgot. Thank you. What can I do for you today? I want to return my son's bike. It doesn't work anymore. Now we don't allow returns on bikes, but we do have a one month warranty that covers minor and easy to fix damages. Sorry, we don't allow returns. We will fix your bike on us though if the warranty is still active. Ugh, fine. Okay, we will need a receipt or proof of purchase then. Couldn't you just look my name up? No, I can't. The entitled mum then proceeds to rifle through her purse for five minutes trying to find the receipt. And when she does, she slaps it on the counter. There. I take a look at the receipts and the date on the receipt was from seven months ago. Sorry, but you bought this bike seven months ago. So? Well, our warranty only covers one month of use. What does that mean? It means we can't fix it for free. Well, why not? I just told you. The entire mum then says in a very threatening voice, just give me a refund and I'll leave. What? No, the repairs for your bike won't be very much. Only around 45 bucks. I don't want it fixed anymore. I want my money back. Mom, we don't accept returns on bikes. If you really don't want it anymore, you could just donate it to charity. Oh, I've had it with you. Where's the manager? After she said these fateful words, something even worse happened. I'd forgotten about the kids she had brought in. I heard a loud crash and look up to see one of our bikes that was hanging from the racks on the floor. Her entitled kid said, Oops. What the heck are you doing? Don't talk to my son like that. I'm trying to recompose myself here. Look, your son just knocked down a $4,000 bike. You are being so rude. My son didn't mean to, right son? Yeah, it was an accident. My boss then burst out from the back, wondering what the heck was going on. OP, why is that bike on the floor? Well, this lady's son just knocked it down. My boss rushes over to the fallen bike to assess the damage. The freaking frame is cracked. Now, this was a carbon frame bike, which means if the frame's cracked, the bike's done. This kid right here knocked it over? Yep. He only knocked it over because your employee was harassing me. Wait, what? Lady, I don't care why it was knocked over, but I trust my employee more than you, and I'm going with what he said. I won't make you pay the full price of the bike, since only the frame is damaged. I will need 2000 from you, though. What? Why do bikes cost so much? You don't have to pay it right now. We could arrange a deal for monthly payments. I am not paying for anything. You should be paying me for all I've gone through in this shop. My son did nothing wrong. It was your stupid employee who made it fall. 
What? How did I make it fall? I wasn't even close to the bike. The other kid starts to cry now because of all the yelling. Now look what you've done. The kid starts crying louder. I'm calling the cops for trying to treat me out of money and harassing me and my kids. I look over to my boss and he kind of shakes his head, telling me just to let the cops come. Once the cops came, she told her bogus story of how we were harassing her and her kids and trying to cheat her out of money. She said I had knocked the bike down and I was lying about damages to get money from her. She also said when she tried to return a non-functional bike, we rejected her. My boss told me to just let her dig her own hole. When the police asked for our side of the story, my boss walked the officers into the back room and of course showed them security footage of her son knocking down the bike. He then explained our return policy and our warranty. Finally, he showed them the damages to the bike that was knocked over, confirming that we were not lying about that. She was arrested and had to pay a bunch more than what she originally would have had to. She also got two weeks in jail for resisting arrest and lying to officers. Oh god, just just why in this situation would you cause such a fuss? Just pay the $45. It's not even that much. You get you know, a bike that you can actually use. It's like why why not just, just do the simple thing? Yeah, probably you were hoping that it would be under warranty, although surely in the back of your mind you knew that you're not gonna have like seven months to refund a bike that your son's broken. But $45 to fix it? Sure, that's just a no-brainer. Like just pay the money, move on with your life. Don't don't mess around. Cause your kids to, you know, go into some weird state where they're like worried about what's going on. Accidentally knock over a $4,000 bike. Oh my goodness me. Then go to prison. Uh, yeah. I mean, what, 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 I'll ask you guys, yeah? What would you rather do? Pay $45 to get your bike fixed or pay $2,000 and go to jail? For me, that's quite a hard decision. I have to think about that one. But let me know down below, what would you do? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Now for our next story. I met my biological parents today. So for some backstory, I am adopted. My biological parents gave me up at birth. My adopted parents adopted me when I was young, but were always open about my adoption and everything. They never kept anything about it away from me and always told me the truth when I had questions about my adoption. I never had too many questions about my adoption though, as I just wanted to believe that my adopted parents were the people who gave birth to me. I, a 16-year-old girl, had the opportunity to meet my biological parents the other day. It was my choice whether I wanted to or not, and I decided to meet them. I thought that maybe there was a chance that they weren't heartless buttholes and that maybe they were just falling on hard times and couldn't support a child and that now they were doing better and wanted to actually form a bond with me. Oh, how wrong I was. My biological and my adoptive parents talk it out and set up a date and time to meet up and my adoptive parents relay it all to me to make sure I was okay with everything. For the most part, I was just agreeing with everything because I was nervous not to make a bad first impression. After a little bit of talking and discussing, a time and date had been settled on. Directly two weeks from now at a restaurant called Texas Roadhouse, the fanciest restaurant we have where I live. 
The week before I have to go and meet my biological parents, my adopted mum took me shopping at the mall for some new clothes. I've never been too fond of dresses and stuff, and my adopted mum knew this, and so instead of taking me to some place like Coles or Claire's, she took me to Hot Topic and Spencer's, where we found a couple fancy things that I liked and that we thought that my biological parents would like as well. Some time had passed, and I was getting ready to meet my biological parents. I put on the clothes and hop into my adopted parents' car so that they could take me. The plan was that my adopted parents would drop me off and they would hang around the area for a bit so that if something happened, they could get to me quickly. We get there and after a small pep talk from my adopted parents, we go into the restaurant and meet my biological parents. Right off the bat, as they looked at me, they mumbled stuff under their breath, which I can only assume was about my outfits. My biological parents themselves looked like your typical snooty rich parents, as they were decked out in all types of jewelry, fancy clothes, etc. Already, I was getting a bad vibe from them. We greet each other, and after like a minute, my adoptive parents leave so that me and my biological parents could eat and get to know each other. So, me and my biological parents get escorted to a table and sit down. A couple seconds pass, and my biological mother says something. So, how are you liking your life so far? Um, it's good, it's good. My biological dad then chirps in. Well, tell us about it. Um, there's not much to tell you about. I live, as I presume, any normal childhood. Okay, uh, do you have a boyfriend? I froze at this question. I am lesbian, and although I normally am not afraid to show it, I was this time. My biological parents looked like very judgmental people, and I didn't want to have a bad first impression. After a couple of seconds of silence, I gave the best answer I could. No, I told them I didn't have a boyfriend, which technically wasn't lying. The rest of the day goes pretty much exactly like this just with a couple typical Karen things thrown in by my mum. She would constantly snap and call over waiters, treat the staff like trash, etc. All of this was pretty bad, and I wanted to call my adoptive parents and leave, but for whatever reason, I decided not to. An hour or two of awkward entitlement passes, and just as I was about to finish my food, my biological parents say something I will never forget. OP, we need your help with something. You have a biological brother who is currently in the hospital. He got into a car crash a couple of days before we contacted you. He needs a kidney transplant, and your dad and I have both offered up ours, but we weren't matches. The only person who does have a match is you. We hope you're willing to give up your kidney for your brother. This broke me. I now knew why they all of a sudden wanted to meet up with me. They didn't want to form a relationship with me or even get to know me. They just wanted to use me to save their actual son. I didn't even know I had a brother. And at that point, I frankly didn't care. I told them no. They abandoned me as a child. And 16 years later, they want me to save a brother I never knew existed. I told them no and just walked out. I walked out of that restaurant and called my adopted parents. My real parents. I told them to come pick me up and they said they were at the target right next door to me and said to wait in the car or come look for them in the store. I opted for the car. I didn't want to be around anyone at that point, so I just walked and searched for my adopted parents' car. My biological parents probably came after me, but I don't know that for sure, as when I left the restaurant driveway, I didn't look back. After about 20 minutes in the car crying, my adopted parents come and immediately noticed that I was crying, despite my best efforts to hide it. They asked what was wrong, and I told them everything. 
They seemed just as annoyed as I was, but they comforted and consoled me nonetheless. I'm glad I'm adopted. Because as far as I'm concerned, my real and only parents are my adopted ones. Oh my goodness me, what a trashy couple of people. We actually had a story very similar to this one a couple of weeks ago where a family member contacted a distant relative purely because they needed something from them. In this case, a transplant like the other story. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Firstly, you leave a child, uh, you know, when they're young and just F off and do your own thing. And obviously they have to go into foster care and get adopted and that sort of stuff. Then when you actually need something from them, you contact them saying, oh, I'd love to get back in contact with you. We definitely don't need you for a a key organ for our son that we actually love and care about and actually took care of. No, no, no. This is a, a purely friendly thing, not a not a use thing at all it's just ridiculous isn't it i mean come on Ugh. just think about it like think put yourself in op's perspective right she's probably waited her entire life to meet her biological parents obviously yes you love your adoptive parents because they are your real parents of course but obviously you'd be interested to know what your biological parents are really like this is a big big deal for op but no just gets thrown back in their face asking for a kidney for christ's sake wow some people man now moving on to our final post entitled stepmom gets mad at me for having my period then calls me a skank in front of my dad when i get birth control bit of backstory my periods were insanely painful i've actually been hospitalized because of them so when i was around 15 my stepmom and my dad were going to a barbecue for my stepmom's brother i don't remember the occasion but it wasn't for anything big They asked me to come along and I told them I didn't feel that great so I was going to stay home. They left and about two hours later, I fell to the floor in complete pain. They were still out and my dogs found me on the floor. My pitbull stayed next to me while my boxer ran around for someone. Yes, this is important. I texted my dad telling him he needed to come home but he didn't answer. So I texted my grandma. Hey, grandma, I think I started my period. Do you have any painkillers? Of course I do. I'm out shopping right now, but I'll drop them off once I'm done here. Okay, thank you. About five minutes later, I get a call from my stepmom. The conversation goes as follows. Why did you text your dad that? Because I'm laying on the floor in pain and I can't get up? Why can't you get up? I'm on my period and this pain wouldn't stop unless I stay curled up in a ball like this. Ah, fine, we are coming home, but don't ever text your dad with that again. Then she hung up. I waited about 15 minutes for them to arrive home. My boxer ran over to them and showed them where I was. My dad picked me up and carried me to my room. My stepmom gets some painkillers, a heating pad, and then tells me to sleep. She was mad the rest of the day and wouldn't even look at me. The next day, we meet my biological mum, and my dad tells her everything that happened. My mum and I decided to start looking into birth control. We found out I can't have the pill due to the fact I have epilepsy, so we heard about how an implant was still in testing and how it wouldn't have an effect. So we went with that one. I told my dad and stepmom that I got birth control to help, and my dad was happy. Then my stepmom says, Well, I hope you know that means you can't go around sleeping with everyone. I sat there in shock that she says something like that in front of my dad. I'm demisexual, which means I don't have sexual attractions towards people I have no emotional bond with. So random stranger hookups were out the window. Around dinner time, I still couldn't stop thinking about what she said. My dad knew that something was troubling me and said, she didn't mean it, you know. That's not how it meant to come out. I believe my dad, of course. This was mistake number one. When dinner was finally served, she kept giving me dirty looks and looked at the food like I gave her a severed human head to eat. 
Did OP help make any of this? Everything except the vegetables that you made. My dad wanted me to grow up to be the cook in my family. My stepmom then proceeds to only eat the vegetables. Like I'm going to give her some sort of disease because I got birth control. I ate about half my food and then cleaned up. My dad apologized for her, but I didn't believe it. Yo, any of you watching right now, do you have step parents that you just despise? Like you just don't get on with them well at all, despite getting on with your biological parent really well? I don't know, like if they, if your biological parents have divorced and they now have new partners, how do you get on with those people? Because I find it really strange that your dad and your mum, biological dad and mum, OP, in this, in this story, seem like nice, normal people that would help you out if you were in severe pain. But I mean, for some reason, your dad has chosen now to go off with this other woman who just seems horrible, right? How can someone, you know, be happy with one woman, your mother, who seems completely nice, and then move on to somebody else like this, who clearly is a horrible person. You don't get on with them very well at all, and I'm sure your dad knows that. Like, having to apologize for your new wife to your own daughter is very, very strange. And surely there are, like, loads of, like, red flags that are going off in his head right now, or just right in front of his eyes. I don't know. Um, but yeah, let me know down below, guys, if any of you have been in this sort of situation. Because I imagine it's actually more common than I, than I think, to be honest. Uh, so yeah, I want to hear your horror stories of your step-parents. Or maybe you have an amazing, amazing step-parent. I don't know. Maybe you have an amazing one. And if that is the case, then you're lucky because you're, you're in a, be a better situation than OP in this story, that is for sure. Entitled mum tries to shoot my eye out at a paintball park. So, me and my dad, mostly me, are really into paintball. I got a Geo 4 and a new freak kit for my birthday, and I like to be comfortable when I'm playing, meaning I don't really like to wear winter clothing while playing. So my dad and I thought we should just wait for spring to roll around, meaning now, before we went to play paintball. Oh, and by the way, a Geo 4 is a pretty cool paintball gun. As me and my dad are entering the pro shop at the paintball place, an entitled mum comes up to me and asks if I would go easy on her two kids, Entitled Kid 1 and Entitled Kid 2. I say sure because I could tell they were younger than me and that they were new to paintball. Me and my dad are filling up our pods and hoppers so we can start heading down to the field to play. But again, the entitled mum came up to me and my dad to ask if we could give them some paints. Could we have a case or two of your paint, please? Uh, sorry, mum, but, but me and my dad are planning to use all of our cases of paints. Now, the entitled mum's husband, the sweet dad of this story, said, Ginny, we should be fine. We can always buy more if we need any more. They, they have so much paint though. They aren't gonna use all of it now May I remind you that me and my dad are really into paintball So we usually get six cases of paint to last us the whole day My dad says if we have any left over at the end of the day We will give the rest of the paint to you the entitled mum though snarled at us in disgust Like we just peed on each other right in front of her Skip an hour and 30 minutes or so and me and my dad are on the opposite team of this family now, call me annoying, but I wanted to get the mum out as disrespectfully as I could, but in a way that is deemed sportsmanlike. Now, at this paintball park, bunkering, when you shoot someone up close, was allowed, and I plan to use it to my fullest extent. As I'm playing, the two entitled kids are not calling a single hit and are wiping off the paint marks. I get annoyed and I go for the hand, because being shot in the hand is one of those spots you don't want to get hit along with your boobs, crotch, neck, and eye. The first entitled kid starts crying and a referee takes him out of the match. The mum was fuming. She started to walk towards me and as soon as she was 20 feet away, I popped three in her leg and one on her mask. 
The ref pulled her out of the match and the game ended. As we return to the safe zone, the second entitled kid finds a Geo 2 paintball gun and starts to fake shoot people with it. I snatched it away from him and tell him to never point guns at things. The kid then said to me, Can I use your gun, please? No, my gun's important to me and it's also very expensive. I don't want anything to happen with it. Oh my god, I'm just looking up how much a Geo 4 costs, the uh, paintball gun. It's over a thousand pounds, so that's like almost one and a half thousand dollars. That is an expensive paintball gun. Uh, yeah, I'm not surprised you don't want to let this kid borrow it. But the kid continues. I want to use the gun now. The dad, though, intervenes. Son, let's go over there and look at the other matches. No, I want to use the gun. Then the entitled mum rolls up. Why won't you just let him use the gun? My dad says, I just got it for him for his birthday. And this is brand new and quite expensive. We just don't want to run any risk of damage. Completely reasonable, by the way. Oh, come on. Our guns cost like $50 each. Your gun isn't expensive at all. It's just like all the others. The game was about to start, but I realized the first entitled kid had taken my mask. HK Army something, I forget. Probably quite expensive as well, I'm not gonna lie. As I'm chasing the kid around the safe zone, the second kid then shoots me eight times under my eye with his paintball gun. I turned around to see the entitled mum helping her hexborn shoot me. I snapped. Me and my dad both said, What the F are you doing? I could have lost an eye or worse, and you're just helping your son do this to me? The actual F are you doing, lady? The two kids start to cry, and the entire mum was crying too. A ref came over to see what the problem was, and the entitled mum tried to play the victim by saying that I was framing them by rubbing paint on my face to make it look like they shot me. I swear, their sweet dad gathered up all his strength to say that his wife and son did it and that he was done with her. The cops were called by me and my dad, and we pressed charges against the entitled mum, and our court date is being decided. And yes, we gave all of our paint to the sweet dad at the end of the day. Seriously, lady, that is one of the golden rules of paintball. You do not shoot anyone with your paintball gun when you're not in the match and when the referees haven't started the round, especially when someone doesn't have their mask on. That is so dangerous. I mean, look, normally a paintball gun shot to your body, even without protection, without, you know, armor or whatever, it's going to hurt, obviously, but it's not going to put you in serious danger. It's just going to, you know, bruise probably. But to the eye, that is completely different. That can obviously take your eye out. I mean, so many things can take your eye out. A paintball gunshot obviously is going to be one of those things that's seriously dangerous. Why try to do that? I mean, even if it happens in an accident, that should never happen because you should never be, you know, in a position to shoot your gun when you're not in the actual game, in the arena. But actually aiming for someone's eye and then saying afterwards that they faked it by rubbing paint on their eye. My god, like, that's so dangerous. Seriously. Oh, wow. I'm just happy, OP, that, you know, you actually got out of that with your eyes still intact. Because for a second there, I was really scared for your eyes. Now moving on to our next post. Third grade art critic. Hi, everyone. Yesterday, I read a story here that kind of reminded me of this event that happened back when I, a 35-year-old female, was in the third grade, about nine years old. It was around Halloween, and during class, we had a lot of small Halloween art projects to do making ghosts, small decorations, you know the drill. Now, in my particular classroom, we had our regular teacher and there was a student teacher as well. I can't remember the name of the student teacher anymore, so I'll call her Karen and my regular teacher will just be teacher. The student teacher didn't do much of the teaching at this time. I think she was early on in her program, so she mostly just supervised the classroom. 
For the most part, up to this point, I liked her just fine. And me being me, I really wanted to impress her and be noticed. I was a quiet kid and was picked on quite a lot. So as a result, I didn't really have any friends. I was very lonely. So one day leading up to Halloween, we're given an assignment to take black construction paper as a background and use other color contrition paper to cut out Halloween type objects, ghosts, pumpkins, etc. to make a haunted house picture out of the cutouts. In my school, there was a hallway that everyone traveled through daily to get to one side of the school and the other. So sometimes exceptional work would be hung there to be observed by other members of the school, a kind of bragging wall, if you will. So we were told if we did really well, some of our pictures would be hung in this hallway. I was super excited. Here was a chance for me to stand out as something other than a loser. For background, I never understood and I still don't know why I was singled out by my entire grade to be picked on. My family didn't have a lot of money, so I never got to wear cool clothes or anything, but I didn't look poor or anything. I was well cleaned and kept, but for some reason I lost on the friend lottery. This continued to happen till about the seventh grade where I finally met some nicer kids and I've been friends with them ever since. Anyways, I go to work making my projects. Karen, the student teacher, walks around the classroom looking at everyone's arts and admiring their work, giving pointers and generally making the other kids feel good about their work. Eventually, Karen goes to sit at her desk as students bring up their finished work to see. I'm working hard and I've made what I thought was a cold house with lots of ghosts, pumpkins, bats, a full moon, the works, or at least what little third grade me could do. Eventually, I get it to where I want the work to be and I nervously bring it up to the student teacher to see. I was so excited to find out what she would say about mine. My desk was actually in front of hers, so I'd heard all the nice comments she'd made to the other kids. I hand her my work and she gives the following critique. Hmm, well, OP, I have to say that if I were to select this one to hang in the hallway, I'd be completely embarrassed to have this represent our class. I was crushed. I sadly took my picture back and nodding my head, I sat down in my seat and cried. I was heartbroken. I'd worked so hard and she thought it was terrible. My actual teacher then came up to me and asked me what was wrong. She asked me if it was something Karen had said. But me, for some reason, not wanting to get her in trouble, I was a real pushover, said no and continued to cry, but more silently. Now, sadly, this story has no happy ending. It was from this moment that I believed I couldn't draw and do any art and completely gave up on it. I look back and I wish I'd said something or stood up for myself, but I was such a lonely and sad kid, I guess I wanted to do anything to feel accepted. I'm better now. I still have no art skill because I never worked on it again, but I think because of my experience, I've learned how to hopefully raise my son to be a stronger person than I was. Time will tell. My goodness me, what a terribly sad story. And you can see right at the end of that story, the effects that that teacher still has on OP today, just because of the way she's worded it at the end, it makes me realize that, wow, the actions of that teacher 26 years ago are still impacting this person's life today. She's still right now at the age of 35 is thinking that, oh, I should have done something differently. It was potentially a little bit my fault for, you know, not standing up to this teacher, not saying to the real teacher that it was the student teacher who'd made her feel so bad, but it's, it's got nothing to 
do with that. That's completely the wrong way to look at it, in my opinion. And it just shows how much this teacher has had a negative impact on OP's life. You're nine years old. That's not your fault that your, your own teacher is putting you down like that and saying your work is trash. What a horrible thing to do. The complete opposite thing that you'd want your teacher to do. Even if your work is bad, fair enough if it is. It doesn't matter. You're nine years old. A teacher can't go abusing their nine-year-old students for, for working hard and making something that, yeah, maybe it's not amazing art, but they put their all into it and they're trying. Why then go and ruin their dreams? As OP said, she now hasn't, you know, done much artwork for the rest of her life because of that comment and you know it's really affected her self-esteem she could have been a great artist who knows nobody starts out drawing as a little kid being incredible at art do they i mean yes people are talented but a lot of artists you know they hone their craft over years and years do loads of lessons with supportive teachers and they get good at art once they're you know 15 20 plus not nine do you know any nine-year-olds are exceptional at art and are, you know selling paintings all over the world no because it's pretty much impossible this teacher has annoyed me seriously i mean i don't really mind people being entitled because you can get over that but ruining a kid's life and making them feel bad about themselves and still questioning what they did 26 years ago when they're 35 years old when it wasn't their fault that's unbelievable and that teacher should know better entitled mum lets her son destroy a hundred year old antique table i a 24 year old woman previously posted in r slash child free about one of my mother's younger friends an entitled mum in her early 40s who I first knew as carefree and wonderful until she had her first kids. That child ended up being a complete brat with her mother's encouragement. But the entitled mum had another child, a son, who's now four years old, who I kind of liked because he wasn't as intense as his older sibling. As of last night, that has changed. For context, my mother's greatest joy in life, other than her kids, is antiquing. She dresses every room in her house very carefully and will stop at every vintage shop around to find a piece of furniture, sometimes using road trips to find new antique stores and examine what's inside. I used to hate going with mum to these stores, but since she took all three of us kids and told us that these used to belong to other people, I think it gave us an early respect for other people's things. We were never the kids to break stuff or jump on furniture in our homes or anyone else's and i'm pretty sure that that contributed to it when she was pregnant with my oldest sibling in 1990 mum found a small circular wooden table with three curved legs topped with a circle of marble the shop proprietor told her it was 70 years old so she bought it for a song shined it up and stuck it in her living room where it immediately became a staple of our house. The coffee table lasted her through three kids' college graduations, a move in 2000, and countless family parties and events. Still shiny and looking new and gorgeous, it's as much a part of the family now as any of us kids. Now to last night. The entitled mum's birthday recently occurred. So, since she'd given mum a birthday celebration last month, mum decides to return the favour inviting the entitled mum, her husband, and their kids to our house for lobster. Already, I'm not a fan of this. Whenever the entitled mum and her kids come over, my mum makes a serious effort to give the kids something fun to do while the adults talk. We have a collection of coloring books, blocks, dolls, Legos, puzzles, action figures, and a TV in the basement from when my siblings and I were growing up. And mum even bought them some new toys herself, but inevitably the kids would play down there for two minutes and then come to their mum to complain that they're bored then proceed to wreak havoc on our house my parents who the entitled mum sees as her kids aunt and uncle have warned the kids many times not to jump on things but they do not listen 
The oldest kid is also very combative and likes to pull hair and hit people, as I learned firsthand. Anne broke a holiday decoration given to my dad by his late mother. Of course, the entitled mum coddles her kids and coos that they're the best in the world and all that BS. I told my mum repeatedly that I don't want to be around the kids or their parents, but she brushes it off. In fact, she likes to tease me for not interacting with the entitled mum and not coming downstairs when she visits and says that the entitled mum shouldn't get in the way of me living my life. I live with my folks and i'm invited to attend the party but i make my usual choice of opting out since i've just finished the first week of a new job i intend to celebrate with a day at the bookstore and a night with friends but yesterday morning as i was preparing to leave mum asked why i was going to leave her to deal with the two kids by herself i told her that i wasn't going to let them get in the way of me living my life She laughed and wished me a good day and I left. My day was wonderful. I spent the morning and early afternoon at my favorite bookstore, the evening with my friends at a wine bar and the night with them at a karaoke room. I come home around 11.30 that night and enter from a door in our sunroom where my parents are asleep on the couch watching TV. I wake them up, tell them about my day and they seem genuinely happy it went so well. To be polite, I ask how the party went. My folks get quiet and look at each other and my mother sounding very drained tells me to go into the living room the next room over confused i look through the doorway and immediately see why the beautiful table now a century old is broken its three curved wooden legs were bisected and splintered there's a small crack in the marble top and a collection of wood shards litter the carpets what happened i asked earlier that day around 6 30 pm my dad and the entitled mum's husband went to pick up my grandpa plus a steamer for the lobster while they were away mum had worked to settle the kids into the basement and reminded them not to jump on anything then gone to the living room to converse with the entitled mum as they are talking my mother leaves to go to the restroom at the other end of the house she stops in the kitchen before returning and hears a crash in the living room Mum runs in and lo and behold the four-year-old son had become bored come upstairs to the living room and started jumping on furniture including the ancient table while his entitled mum just watched my mother is predictably horrified and stares as the entitled mum examines her son for injuries and reassures my mum that the kid is fine mum gets sick to her stomach takes the son aside and tells him in a serious but not yelling voice that auntie is very disappointed in him and that he knows the rules at my house the entitled mum overhears and berates my mum telling her that she is the only one who can speak that way to her kids before cuddling her son and telling him that he's going to be okay mum then outright asked the entitled mum if she herself told the kids not to jump on furniture at our house she replies casually no I didn't tell them not to. The husbands return and all three men are shocked. The entitled mum's husband immediately offers to pay a carpenter to fix the table, which my mother accepts. Dinner goes on, but it's cold and impersonal between mum and the entitled mum. This morning, the entitled mum, her son and the husband came by our house to give mum a bouquet of flowers, an apology and the number of a carpenter who they'll pay for. She puts on a smile and says thank you, but she's very upset nonetheless. My dad doesn't want the kid in our house again until he's older. 
Mum says she'll be keeping her distance from the entitled mum for the time being since she can't teach her kids to respect other people's property or discipline them properly my heart breaks for my mum i don't plan on having kids but if you do please teach them at an early age to respect other people and their things oh yeah look i mean you can obviously get this kind of like semi-repaired i don't think it'll be by a carpenter but by someone that knows what they're doing i'm sure they can do a good job on it and you know get it close to how it was before but this is an antique you know you're never gonna get it in that perfect condition that it was in before this idiot of a son sorry i don't blame the kid this idiot of a mother let her son jump on it and, and just destroy it Like, why go through all the hassle of letting your kid jump on furniture when you know your friend is massively into antiques anyway and these items of furniture can't just be replaced like that? It's not as if it's like some desk from Ikea. No, it's 100 years old, by the way. Why just not tell your kid in the first place to not do these things and avoid the hassle of him obviously breaking things? He's four years old. He's gonna do that if you don't tell him not to. Come on, it's so, like, illogical. I don't get it. Right then, now moving on to our second story of today's episode. Entitled parent throws coffee on me when i'm half her age so this happened years ago now at my first job but i figured i'd finally post it it remains to this day 17 years later the worst customer experience i've ever had so 15 year old me has their first job at an amusement park i worked in the games department And this day, I was working one where you fish magnets out of the water that moves around. Pick up yellow, you get a small prize. Pick up a red magnet, you get a medium one. You pick up both red and yellow, it counts as yellow, you get a small prize. And shaking the magnets off to try again gets you banned from the park for cheating at the games. People, needless to say, don't realize this. So the first time, we always just tell people, hey, just so you're aware, shaking the magnets off can be considered cheating. So for next time, make sure you just leave them on, okay? Now we get to the main story. So an entitled kid who is about nine or 10 and his entitled mum, who is early to mid thirties, walk up to the booth and my coworker takes the money, gives the kid the stick with a magnet and goes to help someone on the other side while I'm restocking our medium price display. The kid goes for a red magnet and catches about six yellow magnets instead. Well, he doesn't want a small prize, obviously. So he looks at my coworker, grins when he sees she isn't paying attention to him and starts shaking them off. I, however, did see. So I grab the small prize bin, walk over and put my hand on the stick, not on him. Okay, go ahead and pick your small prize. Just so you know, too, shaking the magnets off can be considered cheating. So for- Excuse me, the entitled mum interrupts. How dare you accuse my son of cheating? He doesn't cheat. Oh, sorry, uh, she then starts to yell. He would never cheat, you freaking dog. How dare you accuse him of that? He's a good boy, you little idiot. I'm getting you fired for this, you little freaking female dog. She takes the lid off her cup while yelling at me. I hadn't noticed at the time because I was 15 getting screamed at by a random adult and threw her half full coffee at me. It wasn't burning hot, but it was still warm. By this point, of course, other workers in nearby games had more than noticed, along with a small group of adults who were playing the games too. 
she seemed to realize she probably shouldn't have thrown the coffee when I burst into tears and just started sobbing on the spot. I mean, I was 15 and at the time not emotionally stable by any stretch. So she grabs her entitled kid's arm and drags him off, throwing the small prize back into the booth without aiming. I'm honestly not sure where it landed as I wasn't in a good state. Ah, must have been Texas then, I guess. (laughs) Okay, can I say that? No. The co-worker at the Whack-A-Mole station ran back to call security since we had a phone behind the Whack-A-Mole booth. And the people at the Milk Jug Toss and Scatterball stations ran over to help me out of the booth with the co-workers at our booth and into where the phone also was to get me out of the public eye while security came and took everyone's descriptions of the entitled mum. Fortunately, no one had left and security got to us fast. The entitled mum was caught up with soon enough as they did a park-wide search and took her name and picture for the do not admit list. I didn't think to press any charges at the time. In retrospect, I wish I had. I went home early too, since I couldn't stop crying until long after my dad picked me up. He got me ice cream later and watched a really bad horror movie with me. It was our dad-daughter thing. Unfortunately, I'd had the following couple of days off anyways. I have never forgotten this incident, and it remains my worst customer service experience. Though hardly the only time I've been yelled at, it is the only time I've been physically assaulted on the job. Wherever Karen is these days, I hope she realizes what a monster she is. But I doubt that. She'd be in her late 40s or early 50s by now. And now that I'm the age she was at the incident, I cannot even imagine yelling like that at someone half my age over something so minuscule. Yeah, OP, I'm not surprised that you wouldn't do something like that right now. I mean, I wouldn't either. And I doubt that you watching right now would do it either because um, it's ridiculous throwing a coffee over a 15-year-old girl because you're annoyed at a game at a theme park. Are you dumb well to answer my own question uh, yes she is there's a reason none of us would do it it's because we're not really stupid karens like yeah you can be annoyed if you want because the game rules are slightly confusing i do admit but doing that no way no way and now moving on to our final story of today's episode cult talkers think they can scare me out of my new home i should give you guys just a little backstory on how i ended up in this situation i grew up in scientology My parents joined back in 1991 and moved to the States to be involved more than they could from the UK. In 2015, when I was 15, I joined the Sea Org and signed a billion-year contract. I know how insane that is, but it was something my parents were pressuring me to do because they thought it would allow me to be the best Scientologist I could be. But last August, I saw my opportunity to leave and I took it. I was sent out with a group of other Sea Org members to confront some people who had been declared as suppressive people, SPs, who were outside the building. One of them said they had a permit to film some stuff in the streets and since it was public that we couldn't stop them and that it was in the car parked about five minutes away from where we were. One of the women I'd come out with told me to go with the guy and check it out, so I did. When we got around the corner, I told the guy I wanted to leave but hadn't been able to because there was always someone watching. He suggested that maybe, since we were out of sight, maybe we could get into his car and he would drive me to a hotel, get me a room so I could plan where I could go after a couple of days. I took the opportunity and I got into his car. I finally felt so much freedom that I'd never felt before. He, as it turns out, had also been a Scientologist and had escaped from gold base years ago so he understood my situation very well 
Now, once I figured out that I wanted to go to Washington, he got in contact with some friends of his who were able to get me there without Scientology having any way of tracing my movements. And I've been here ever since. I live in a nice neighborhood, well, at least to where I had been before, and I've managed to get a job working in a coffee shop. I've been so happy to be free, but I never fully stopped looking over my shoulder. I know the policies regarding people like me, and I've been keeping an eye out for them ever since I left. Two months ago, I noticed that a car with tinted windows was following me. I knew it was down to Scientology. They'd somehow found out where I'd moved and were trying to gather information on me. Last week, they finally knocked on my door. Even though I knew it was going to happen sooner or later, I was shaking. My neighbor, who's always been really kind to me, was over. She comes over sometimes just to check on me, and she'll bring me food if she feels like I haven't eaten properly. She's basically been like a mum to me, and I love her for it. I opened the door, and things got really uncomfortable real fast. It was a couple of entitled stalkers from the Scientology group standing in front of me. Your parents have been worried about you, and you're hiding out here. Why? I'm not hiding. I just don't want to be in a cult anymore. Liar. You are a criminal. You broke your contract and you fled. You are evil. My kind neighbor then comes to the door and interrupts. Hold on a minute. Stop shouting. Opie is not evil and she's free to live her life as she pleases. Now leave her property or I will call the police. The second entitled stalker holds a camera pointed at my face. You are a suppressive person. You may not set foot in any Scientology building again. If you do, we will have you charged with harassment. I was confused by this, but you're the ones who tracked me down. I know the policies. I know I'm an SP. I know about being disconnected with my family. So what do either of us gain from you being here? My neighbor said, put the camera down. No. My neighbor then closes the door in their faces and goes to close the curtains, as I told her that they would probably try filming through my windows. I went and closed all other curtains in my home, and after my neighbor left, I locked my doors too. They are still watching my house from a car across the street, and I feel uncomfortable about going outside. I know what methods can be used by Scientologists who are fair gaming and SP. I know now after watching Going Clear and Leia Ramini's show that my experience with them after leaving is tame, but it's still pretty creepy. Why they feel entitled to follow people around to a point where I'm basically a prisoner in my own home, I don't know, but I wish they'd leave me alone. I'm not sure what information they've gathered on me, but I know whatever it is will have been sent back and it will be used against me in some way. But until they try and use it, I have no way to really do anything. If anyone has any advice, please let me know. Oh my god, OP. I'm so sorry that you're in this situation. This is so effed. Like, my god. Guys, put yourself in OP's shoes for a moment. There are people across the street in a car, perma-watching his gaff. What the heck? Like, you've done amazingly to escape in the first place. I have to commend you for that. What bravery, you know, great quick thinking to get out of there, you know, in the chance that you could. Fantastic. But now to feel like you're being watched for the rest of your life, always having to watch your watch over your shoulder, like, oh my God, man, what is this? I need to do some more research into Scientology as a whole. Guys, if you know more about this cult and, uh, you know, what they do and 
their practices and how they clearly stalk people who leave comment down below and enlighten me because i don't know too much i've got to be honest i'm going to do some more research as soon as i finish recording this video if i'm completely honest um but wow what would you advise him to do right now op that is i don't know what you can do call the police apart from that I've got nothing, but I don't really think that the police are going to be able to do much. The car's just going to drive away. Then it will come back. What can OP do? My father won't let me dye my hair, but lets my siblings. Ever since I was eight, I've wanted to cut my hair, diet, and just change it in general. My parents, however, are extremely strict and never let me do anything more than trim my hair. They let me cut it when I was five and nine, but since then I haven't cut it or changed anything about it. I'm 19 years old now and my hair has taken me 10 years to grow to my lower back. I'm the oldest of six kids and just recently graduated high school. Since my siblings were young, I've been kind of like a third parent. My parents asked me for money, for gas, electricity, water, etc. I've also always been the one that my parents use as a therapist, babysitter, and would oftentimes take the money I'd earn from beading hats, babysitting, or even just money I was gifted. When the stimulus checks came out, I had a claim to my money, but they wouldn't give it to me. Then my nation gave out checks to its people, and when asked, I had to give my money over. I thought they'd use the money for the house or things like that but they used the money on a trip to Florida with our family. Growing up, my parents were extremely strict. In school, my father hated it if I brought home a grade less than 95%, and I'd usually get in trouble if I did. My siblings, same thing. I nearly failed fifth grade and was grounded for months. I wasn't even allowed to have electronics, like a DS, iPod, or phone. My screen time was always limited to Mahjong and Solitaire on our family Mac computer. That means no social media, no real way of contacting people. I wasn't even able to have an email until I was nine. And even then, they had to have every single password I had. My siblings, on the other hand, were able to have more freedom online than I did. They got electronics given to them, where I had to actually pay for my first 3DS. I was given my first phone with service when I was 17 because they couldn't get a hold of me after a football game. Again, they needed the password and I couldn't keep anything private. My siblings were, again, not given the same rules. It makes me absolutely angry how my parents have this awful double standard. Now, my siblings always get their haircuts and get to change their style. I was told to keep mine long for my senior pictures because my family is native and they wanted pictures in my regalia. For those who don't know, a regalia is a native ensemble for our ceremonies, powwows, and other such things. I was gifted the regalia for a graduation present. My family wanted pictures, but it hasn't happened yet. I've asked my parents to let me dye it or cut it since then, but they don't want my unnatural hair in my regalia photos, which I understood. From my understanding, my siblings had the same rules as me and wouldn't be able to cut it after a certain point and would have to grow it out like I did. That is, until today. My sibling, 16 years old, let's call him Ethan, sent a picture of him and my sister, Kate, 14, getting their hair cut and dyed. It was cut to their shoulders and dyed blue and purple. Instantly, I felt jealous. Why were my siblings allowed to cut their hair? I asked my father, but I never could. I said to him, why would you let Ethan cut his hair if I couldn't until my senior pictures? Well, they're younger than you, and they'd asked us to do this for them as a birthday gift. You could have too if you'd just asked us. 
I've asked you a mum several times over the past several years and you always told me to wait until my senior pictures were done. And you still won't let me. We won't let you because we're waiting to get your regalia photos done. Well, it doesn't seem like that's going to happen. I've been waiting 10 years to cut my hair. The girls haven't had the same rules. That's not fair. They still have a few years to grow their hair. It doesn't matter. Okay, fine. Well, Ethan is graduating next year. That is one year to grow his hair out and be an unnatural color. That's literally impossible. It's not fair for you to say that I can't cut or dye my hair, but he can. Well, it's just hair. It doesn't matter. Right, so if I cut and dye my hair right now, you wouldn't care? No, you can't. You're not allowed until you get pictures done. Now I'm angry at this point. That is BS. You can't say I can't do something and then turn around, let my siblings, who are younger, still in school, and literally let them do whatever. I'm cutting it and dyeing it. If you want pictures, I'll do them with my dyed hair. I then walked to my room and just started typing the story. I don't know what to think. On one hand, I'm upset that my parents are being absolute hypocrites and not holding my siblings to the same standard. On the other hand, though, I do feel bad because I guess I understand that since I just got my regalia, they want me to look traditional. I need help. What do you guys think? Wow, interesting story there. Um, Yeah, like OP, I completely agree that until your dad said that your other siblings were getting treated differently in regards to their hair and what they need to do for graduating, growing it out and respecting tradition of their family, etc, etc. I was on board with it. You know, it makes sense. If your parents really want you to have a certain hairstyle, a traditional hairstyle that, you know, your family have had throughout the ages for your regalia, then that makes sense to me. The difference is, though, when it becomes clear that your other siblings just have different rules for them. Why is that? I don't know. It's just favoritism, isn't it, really? Those of you that have been around on my channel for a long time now, a very, very long time, may remember ages ago that I told you all about the fact that I had dyed my hair back in the day, maybe three, four years ago now, a while ago, platinum blonde. Um, I thought it looked all right, to be fair, although it was for a dare. But anyway, thankfully, my parents didn't say, oh my God, no, you can't do that or I'm going to disown you. They just let me do it. Sweet. All right, then now moving on to our second entitled parent story. Entitled parents wouldn't accept a solution and gets banned from water park forever This happened a couple of years ago, but it still makes me shake my head I a 19 year old female had a job working at a water park dispatching rides Some of the rides require the guests to get a tube at the bottom of the ride and carry it up to the top Water park employees know that only certain tubes can be used on certain rides If you use the wrong tube on the wrong ride, you're asking for people to be injured The ride I was working had water jets that exploded from the bottom of the ride So the tubes had to be very durable Anyway, an entitled mum and her entitled kids are waiting in line I can see that they've grabbed the wrong set of tubes from the bottom of the ride They have clear tubes, which are not nearly durable enough for this ride when they needed reinforced blue tubes I go over to the mum and explain that she has the wrong tube for this ride One of the correct tubes is placed next to the entrance to the ride So it's pretty clear which tube goes to which ride I tell her that when she gets to the front of the line She'll need to step to the side and I can have a worker run down and grab some correct tubes for them She can still go on the ride. Someone just needs to bring her the right tubes But the entitled mum doesn't acknowledge me at all Anyway, she gets to the front of the line and tries to sit in her tube to go down the ride Mom, i'm sorry. This isn't the correct tube. I say i've radioed to have someone bring the correct tube up for you and your party But I can't let you ride down in this tube. It's not safe and you could get hurt 
Please, stand to the side until your tubes get here. I waited in line, she said. You can't tell me what to do. I'm going down the ride. Get the F out of my way. You can't go down the ride in this tube. It's not safe. Get the F out of my way, you female dog. Then the crazy part. She throws the tube at my face. It's bulky and not heavy, so I can easily dodge it. But now I have to call security too. My manager is the person who was trekking the tubes up. And upon hearing my call for security, he drops the tubes and comes sprinting to me. The entitled mum is now destroying the landscaping around the top of the ride and is encouraging her kids to join in. How dare this dog make us wait? This idiot won't let you on the ride. Now guys, I'm 19. I'm not paid to put myself in harm's way, so I do nothing to stop her or her kids. She's literally pulling out grass and spitting in my general direction. I picked up the tube she threw and I'm sitting on it on the side of the ride. The entitled kids, of course, join in and are spitting in my general direction and ripping up dirt and plants. I'm 10 feet away, so no spit got near me. And that is how this entitled mum and her entitled kids got banned from the park forever. The tube she needed, which the manager was carrying up, were literally 10 stairs away from her. It was around a curve, so she couldn't see them. Yeah, stories like this I'll just never get in my life, guys. I'm sorry. Seriously, like what's the maximum amount of waiting time going to be there? Maybe two or three minutes maximum. Does it really matter that much that you have to wait two or three minutes to enable yourself to go down the ride? And also, OP, who, by the way, is an employee at this water park, has just told you it might be very dangerous if you go down in the wrong tube. You're there with your kids. Why would you put them in unnecessary danger? Just have a little bit of patience, go down the slide in the correct tube and have a nice time. It's so strange. I'm not going to risk my job because you want an obscene amount of cereal. I work at a supermarket and one of our regular customers is a woman who comes in with her two kids and buys an absolutely obscene amount of cereal whenever it's on sale. Now, when I say an obscene amount, I don't mean 10 to 20 boxes at a time. No, she's not here for math word problem level amounts of cereal. She comes in and buys anywhere from 50 to 300 boxes at a time. Her and her kids usually come to the back room door with three shopping carts and ask for nine to 15 cases of cereal, depending on how much we have left in stock. She's gotten denied service a few times, like the time she tried to buy an entire pallet of cereal, five boxes per transaction the day before Thanksgiving. Management cut her off after 18 transactions, That's 90 boxes because her order was holding up the lines for three of our seven operational registers. Three of our registers were broken at the time. The stock department manager absolutely despises this and has told the woman on multiple occasions that if she's going to purchase more than three cases of cereal, she has to call a few days before she comes in so he can order extra cereal. But she always claims that she won't know what she'll need until she comes in and refuses to. This happened to me on a Sunday when I was the only person working in my department. I had just finished emptying the baler when cereal lady poked her head into the storage room. Hey, could you get me some cereal? She asked. I scanned our sale pallets and she said, It's on the second level of the scaffolding. The scaffolding she was talking about is the same kind of scaffolding you would see at a wholesale club like Costco, Sam's Club, or BJ's Wholesale. So I told her, unfortunately, I can't get that down for you. I'm not authorized to use the equipment needed to get that down. She then asked, 
is there anyone who can get that down for me? And I responded, unfortunately, I'm the only one on at the moment. The full-timer who normally works alongside me on Sundays has the day off. She sighed and asked, well, could you just do it for me this one time? And I responded with, no, I'm not authorized to use the machine needed to get that down. And she said, seriously, you can't just do it this one time? And I told her, no, I can't do it this one time. I'm not allowed to use the machinery, nor do I know how to use it. If I get caught using that equipment, I won't only lose my job, but I could potentially face legal trouble and steep fines should I damage something or injure myself. She huffed, then went, fine, I'll just get front end manager. He'll do it for me. A few minutes later, the front end manager walked into the storeroom with the woman in tow. Hey OP, are you authorized to use the power lift? To which I responded, nope. So he asked, is our full-time co-worker here yet? And I replied, he's off today and my brother already left for the day. My brother actually works in the same department as me and is authorized to use the power pallet jacks. The front-end manager turns to the serial lady and says, I'm sorry, but that product is unavailable for today. There's no one who can get that down. The serial lady then shrieked, you're a manager and you can't get that down for me? And the front-end manager responded with, Well, I wasn't trained on that equipment because this isn't my department and therefore I'm not allowed to operate it. You're going to have to come back tomorrow if you want some. The serial lady then stormed back to the serial aisle without another word. I haven't seen her since that day and my department manager has since started storing the serial pallets on the same side as the storage room door so she can't poke her head in and demand 15 cases of cereal without calling a few days in advance. So you're seriously telling me that this lady who bought 50 to 300 boxes of cereal at a time wasn't aware of when she would run out of cereal. You don't know when you're down to your last pack when you normally buy 50 to 300 boxes. Are you stupid? How is that possible? How? Like clearly, cereal is such a big part of this woman and her family's life. They go through so much of it. How how often are they shopping, by the way? That's my first question. Are they going every week to buy 300 boxes? I mean, how much are your kids eating? That's um the first point I have to raise. Secondly, like, how do you not know when you're coming to the end of your massive stock? I don't get it. If cereal plays such an important role in your life, surely you would know when you need to go and buy some more. It's a, it's a bad, a bad, a, what is that? All right then, now moving on to our second story of today's episode. Entitled parents wants refund on students' dining plan. A few days ago, we had freshman orientation at the college where I work. I was in a dining hall when this particular event happened. Note that all meals were comped by the college this past week, so no one was paying for anything. Not students, not faculty, staff, not parents, except for the fancy stuff at the campus's version of Starbucks, which is in the front of the dining hall. A mother comes in with her four children. One is a new student on our campus. The other three are younger siblings. The student shows her new ID card, which is all they've had to do this week in order to get into the dining hall free. The entire family goes through. No one pays for anything. Not five minutes later, I hear raised voices near the table. I was sitting fairly close to the cash register in the coffee shop area. The mother and all four kids come back up to the cash register and the mother is yelling that she wants a refund because the only food the dining hall has is burger and fries and chicken tenders and pizza. The cashier is trying to explain to her that she couldn't give her a refund since all meals were free that day 
so she hadn't paid to begin with. But the woman says that she wants a refund on her daughter's dining plan, actually, because the food isn't worth eating. Note that there is nowhere else nearby where her daughter can get meals. The nearest restaurants and grocery store are in the next town over, which is 15 miles away, and freshmen aren't allowed to have cars on our campus. So if the daughter doesn't have a meal plan with the dining hall, she's not going to be eating. This woman keeps yelling at the poor cashier who finally calls her manager, who comes up and says the dining hall itself can't process refunds anyway, and that they'd have to talk to campus administration about it. But he reiterated that if her daughter didn't have a meal plan, she'd have nowhere to get food. This idiot woman looks at him and says, fine, we'll be going over to administration right now and unenrolling her from classes here. She can't possibly go to school here with nothing to eat but burgers and pizza. The poor daughter was standing there looking absolutely devastated and the other kids looked mortified. I honestly thought the student was about to start crying. I've got no idea what happened after that because they left the building, but oh my goodness, did I ever feel sorry for that poor girl to be pulled out of college on her first day because her mother didn't like the food the dining hall served. And if they actually went through with it, I really hope they didn't, she won't be able to get into another school until January at the earliest. And if she was a scholarship student, a lot of our kids are, it may take her a full year to be able to get a scholarship somewhere else. The really sad thing was, the very basic burgers and pizza menu the dining hall was running that day was only because meals were free and they were trying to save some money on it. They also knew it would be busy with the parents on campus, so they were making food that was easy to prepare in mass quantities. Also, if they had stuck around long enough for dinner, they would have gotten much fancier meal options. And starting Monday, there would also be a full salad bar and self-serve deli available at lunch and dinner. But since apparently baby girl was far too important to eat normal food like every other student on just about every college campus out there, they're just gonna make her go back home again. The poor, poor kid. And honestly, her poor three younger siblings too. I feel sorry for them all. Well, yeah, OP, me and you both. I mean, come on, imagine working super hard to get into college. You're excited to go. Your family are taking you on your first day. You get into the amazing big dining hall. You're excited to go and get some food. You find out, massive bonus. It's all free. You don't even have to pay for it. Incredible scenes. Then your mum says no. The food here is terrible at this one meal in which you pay nothing for it, you're not going to go to this college anymore. And instead, you're going home and you can only reapply to go in six months. Seriously? Are you joking? No, you're serious. Wow. Let me just disown you real quick. Nice one. It's actually like, genuinely, that story is almost unbelievable. I just can't believe it. Like, does she get the money back as well that she's paid for the, for the, you know, going to college in the first place? I, I just don't get it. Just for the sake of one meal and one meal alone, you're taking your kid out of college. How stupid are you? It's unbelievable. Okay then, and now moving on to our final story of today's episode. No, you do not get to call one of my cashiers the R word and get away with it. A little backstory. I work as a service manager at a pretty popular Midwestern grocery store. I've been a service manager for a couple of months now, but I've worked for the store itself for about three years. 
I've worked in quite a few departments during my time at this store, so I know a lot of the employees very well. One of my duties as a service manager is to watch the front end and overlook the cashiers and courtesy clerks, make sure customers are happy, do overrides, you know the deal. Now, while I do have some cashiers and courtesy clerks that are on the spectrum, I don't treat them any differently than any other employee, and they all appreciate this. I know their strengths and what they're capable of, and I push them to do their best. With that being said, I protect my employees. I care about them deeply. And if a customer even dares to raise their voice at them, I am there to shut the customer down and take them away from the employee. I don't care if you yell at me, but do not yell at my employees. Most of them are high school students. Now to the story. This one day, it was fairly busy in the store. I had most of my registers open and lines were flowing pretty smoothly. I had one of my courtesy clerks covering a break on one of the registers. Let's call her Casey. Now, Casey is on the spectrum and she is a very sweet and smart high schooler. She operates a register very well and can show up all the other courtesy with going outside for cards. She is, arguably, one of my most hardworking employees. Now, sometimes she has moments where she messes up, such as double scanning an item, entering something wrong, but this is something every cashier does, honestly. I see her light blinking, so I come over to help her, and I'm greeted by a very angry customer and her daughter. Hey, OP, I scanned this twice. Can you void it, please? She said. It's important to note that anything over $5 needs a manager's approval to void. It's annoying, but that is how our store works. I smile and nod and quickly go and void it. It honestly takes like six seconds to void an item and enter my numbers for the override. Not that long at all. But that didn't stop this customer from huffing and puffing that she had to wait an extra seven seconds for a void. I back away from the register, not thinking much about it since this is sadly a normal thing that we have to deal with. I walk over to customer service to ask Jack, who was working the counter that day, a question when the following happened. Casey had finished the transaction and handed the receipt to the customer, who snatched it out of her hand before she pushed her cart aggressively away. I don't know if the woman thought she was quiet enough or far away enough to be out of earshot, but I heard her clear as day as this woman told her daughter, I can't believe they let this freaking R-words on registers like her. I looked in horror as I saw Casey's expression fall from her normal bubbly self to sadness. Oh, heck no. I proceed to shove my schedule at Jack and walk my now very angry butt up to this customer. Although this happened about two months ago, I will never forget this conversation. Mom, I would like to ask you something, I say, gesturing her to step out of the way. The woman and her daughter proceed to step out of the way with their cart, the mother still looking very annoyed. What do you want? I don't know if you thought you were being sneaky or smart or just plain rude a moment ago, but what you just did is unacceptable. I'll have you know, Casey is in fact on the spectrum and both her and myself heard what you just said. You do not have the right to come in here and call one of my co-workers the R-word and then proceed to just walk out without any consequences. Who do you think you are thinking you can talk to me like that? The woman honestly looks shocked at the fact that I've just called her out. I keep my composure and continue speaking. I'll have you know that girl you just called the R-word is an extremely kind and hardworking employee. Honestly, she's arguably one of my best employees. 
just because she made a small mistake, such as ringing up an item twice, does not give you the permission to treat her as if she is any lower than you. At this point, the mother is stuttering and is red in the face. Her daughter is actually smirking, trying to suppress a laugh, as if she's actually glad her mum is being called out. How about this, I say. How old is your daughter here? More stuttering. I turn my attention to the daughter. Hun, how old are you? The daughter smiles at me, knowing where this is going. 17. 17, huh? Well, fun fact, I turn my attention back to the mother. That's the same age as the girl you just called the R word. Now here's an image I want you to imagine. Imagine your daughter worked here as a cashier like Casey. Imagine she accidentally messes up and double scans something. A common mistake that happens quite often. And in return, the customer your daughter is checking out proceeds to call her an R word for making a simple mistake. How would you feel? Silence. The mother just stares at me, defeat in her eyes. How would you feel? More silence. I proceed to ask, you'd feel mad, wouldn't you? Would you be upset that someone called your daughter that? A small nod is the only response I get. Now look, I'm going to give you two options. You can either go and apologize to Casey for what you said and move on with your life. Or you can leave and I will personally ensure that you are placed on our store ban list. Choose wisely. I stare at her for a moment before the woman sheepishly goes back to Casey's register and gives her a half-butt apology before dragging her daughter out of the store. I haven't seen this woman again, but I did see her daughter who came back the following week to apologize about her mum and thank me for what I did. Apparently, this girl went to school with Casey and knew she was on the spectrum but wasn't in the position to stand up to her mum. Now, I did actually almost get in trouble for this. One of the store managers was nearby and heard the tail end of the conversation and afterwards pulled me aside to tear me a new one. Once I explained the whole story to her, she seemed a little more at ease with it. But she still wasn't happy that i called a customer out like that however we never got a formal customer complaint for it so we don't think the customer actually followed up look i get it it's probably not store policy to start calling a customer out publicly in your store and i understand that but this goes way beyond any customer policy it's just about being a decent human being to another human being and i'm sorry but calling someone the r word who is 17 just doing their job making one simple mistake you deserve to be called out for that right there and then It's just facts. Like, is this woman really saying that she's never made a mistake in her life? Is that what she's saying? Because the way I look at it, she's calling someone an R word for making an extremely simple mistake. If you're going to call someone that, you have to expect someone else to call you that if you were to do the same thing. So I guess that she's saying that she's, you know, incapable of ever making a mistake and therefore, oh, this person made one mistake. Yeah, I'm going to abuse you for it. Your dog. I mean, really, it's just ridiculous. Again, all these three stories have had ridiculous mothers in them. Crazy. I know, but this is entitled parents. She only wants to pay me $20 a day for caring for 14 animals. Before I begin, I'm going to acknowledge that this entire mess is partly my fault. I agreed to watch my mum's co-workers' animals for five days, and I didn't set a price. I made the mistake of expecting her to name a fair price for my work. A big, big, big mistake. As I said, I got a call from my mum's co-worker saying that she was going out of town and needed someone to care for her 14 animals. She explained the different animals, nine ducks that live in her bathrooms, three dogs and two cats. She explained what would need to be done 
food and water as well as cleaning the ducks now i'd never cared for ducks or even seen one outside of the park so when she understated the amount of care that would go into all these animals i believed her i got there the night before her trip and she showed me what needed to be done it turns out the dogs were barely house strained and one of them was a semi-aggressive pit bull they needed to be fed twice a day with homemade warmed up food the nine ducks did not have enough room to exercise and the way they were set up made cleaning hazardous and difficult i was told i had to let them roam around the house as they weren't allowed outside and clean up the mess they also required a homemade fruit salad daily and to refill their water dishes several times a day as they often tip them over each cleaning and feeding needed to be performed twice daily the cats to be fair were honestly pretty easy food and water twice a day pretty average and expected cat care no issues with them isn't that just typical cats at this point i felt very deceived on the whole as she had not fully explained how much work was required there were also a lot of little extra details like medicating several of the animals etc but unfortunately i felt responsible for my commitments and accepted the job anyways now the stay was awful the pitbull was terrifying and several times the barking and lunging sent me into a full-on panic attack this was made much worse by the fact that i had no prior warning about his habits i walked in one day to find that the ducks were indeed capable of escaping the shower and that the pitbull had tore one of them apart in the house it was carnage after making the owner aware of the situation i was told that the pitbull had to sleep inside of the laundry room for the remainder of the stay each night he spread feces and urine all around that i had to clean up along with a difficult stay her house was about 30 minutes out of town with no wi-fi or cell phone service i was also in charge of picking her up and dropping her off at the airport when she got home she handed me a bundle of cash and i made another mistake of not counting it out until i got home the woman is very wealthy and i assume that she was gonna pay a fair price since she could afford it it turns out she'd only paid me a hundred dollars I did the math and found out that was only $3.30 an hour. And that's being generous, as I probably spent more time than that. This morning, I made her aware of the situation and told her that the pay hadn't even covered fuel. She responded that she didn't pay by the hour and instead by the day. Now, I'm not really sure why she thought that that was a good defense, honestly. I'm currently in the process of trying to get more cash. I asked for 60 a day instead. Fortunately, she still thinks that I'll be coming back for her two other trips later next month. And she also works with my mother. I won't be coming back, but I'm prepared to let her think that. I'm currently in between work and without that money, I won't be able to eat. So it's a survival situation. I'm not sorry. The fact that she thinks that paying solely fuel costs for 14 animals when a single dog costs an average of $50 a night to board is unbelievably entitled. I'm aware that I didn't set a price and I made a lot of mistakes in not counting the money, but I didn't get her back from the airport until 1am in my defense. And I'm still very upset that I've basically done all this work for free. But don't you worry, guys. That's not the end of the story. OP has given us a nice little update. I have not left her alone for the entire week. And I've sent her reminder texts about the rest of her payments every other day. Finally, I was blunt and gave her the options of how she could pay me. This was the response. 
assurance to me that she is indeed entitled. After much research and you not being here 24-7 and the loss of one of my ducks because you were not here as I expected, I find that I have paid you fairly and no additional funds will be coming forth. This is final, she said. From here, I went in on her. A week of pent-up anger and not having enough money for food came out and I no longer gave a frick about how put together I looked. My final angry message was a little less angry and more useful, so I'll share it here as well. So, lady, to summarize. One, you didn't give me proper warning about anything until the night before. Nipping is not biting. I have photo evidence of bruises on my body. Two, I warned you that I was not planning on being there 24-7. Three, the duck dying is not my fault. And you admitted it yourself. I had no information to expect this. And four, my prices are final. Now you don't have to hire me in the future, but this is the price for the service you already got. So, for these reasons, when would you like to make the rest of your payments? I doubt I'll be receiving a response to this, or payment, but for my own poops and giggles, I thought maybe I could at least try and make her feel bad. I will be contacting Animal Control after this though, so don't worry. That's an affair that I'll be handling privately, however. And finally, I will update if I get any more responses. I, for one, want an update then. Guys, honestly, (laughs) $20 a day for 14 animals. Are you joking? Uh, That is mental. Well, I I say 14. I guess it's kind of 13 now. Rest in peace, little ducky. But um, hey, an aggressive pit bull mixed with nine ducks. Sounds like a brilliant combination. This woman is obviously very stupid, even having those animals living together and not separating them well enough. I don't know how more ducks haven't been mauled by this pit bull in the past seems like something that would happen very regularly if i'm completely honest but then also refusing to pay more than a hundred dollars for five days of work with 14 animals yes what the what are you joking that's not enough to even yeah as op said get to the house and back for five days in a row driving mental i mean to be fair to have 14 pets like that i think you have to be slightly strange don't you sorry if you're a pet lover and you have 14 pets yourself but 14 are you mad that is crazy sounds like they absolutely dominate the gaff as well which is another thing um not a house that i'd like to go in imagine the smell anyway you need your money op i hope you get it now moving on to our second story entitled man at a hockey game tried to kick me out of my season ticket holder seats so this happened several years ago probably around 2012 or so a little bit of background to start with My dad was a diehard fan of our local NHL team and had season tickets for longer than I was alive, which was 23 years at that point. After having them for that long, he'd managed to secure some pretty awesome seats, section 219, which is on the second tier of the stadium, but the front row seats, which have an arguably unbeatable view of the game. Growing up, I went to tons of games with him, but by this point, he was getting old and it was tougher for him to make it to the games himself. So he was nice enough to let my boyfriend, now ex, and I use his tickets and go to the game together. This time was not the first time that we had done that. So we made it to the game and had been sitting and watching for a good amount of time. Then, I want to say early second period, a seemingly nice man came up into our section and walked up to my ex and I. We would be the easiest to talk to as we are the closest to the entrance being in the first row. So it seemed logical that someone would just be asking a random question to the most convenient people that he found. He was followed by three other people. And for context, there happened to be two empty seats next to us. 
Here is how the conversation went. Hi there, is this section 219? Yes, you're in the right place, I replied. It takes me a few seconds to then comprehend the look quickly spreading on this seemingly nice man's face. A disgusting looking self-righteous smile that sneered, yes, poor young person. I'm perfectly aware of where I am. He then puts out his hand, palm up, and gestures with his fingers, as if saying, come here to a child. I realize at this point that this man is in fact not a nice man, but instead an entitled man. He then says, in a seriously comically annoying voice out of nowhere, and also while shaking his head, gotta go, your time's up enjoying our seats. Back to where you came from. He then points his other thumb, the one not continuously gesturing as described above, up to the top of the stadium, then looks back and laughs at his family. This was not done quietly, by the way. I am a super friendly and non-confrontational person, so I was dumbstruck. I don't think I could find any words. I just probably sat there with my mouth hanging slightly open, not at all sure what to do next. My ex didn't say anything either. He wasn't super familiar with the place and he might have wondered if we were in the wrong place since this guy seemed so sure that these couldn't possibly be our seats. Thankfully, we didn't need much time to compose ourselves. One of the men in the group sitting directly behind us piped up. Mind you, this group are also season ticket holders, so they likely recognize me. Hey, uh, let me see your tickets, mate. Now, the entitled man, who was not super thrilled that we weren't immediately doing his bidding, pulled out his tickets and showed it to this other nice man. Uh, wow, you're in row 19, not row 1, sir. I think it's time that you go back to where you came from. The nice man then does the same palm-up hand gesture the entitled man introduced us to and yells, Gotta go! A small but powerful crowd around us started chanting, Gotta go! Gotta go! as well, until the now red-faced entitled man sheepishly puts his hand up saying, Okay, okay! and leads his family through the crowd up the stairs to row 19. I have never felt so supported by strangers in my entire life. Unfortunately, I also had to meet one of the most entitled men first for that to happen. Thanks for letting me share my story. What a story it was. Now that is legendary. That is camaraderie that you only get at sports events with your home fans backing you up, all your season ticket holders together. It's beautiful. The sort of scenes that I'd love to see down at Stanford Bridge, if you know, you know. Um, incredible. Like, come on. The cheek of this guy. It's not one of those where he's misread his ticket and gone, oh, I actually genuinely thought I was in row one. No, it says row 19. That's not close. You're just doing it for chat. You've seen two empty seats. You were like, mm, can I kind of, you know, force my in here? He's gone for it absolutely arrogantly and he's been kicked out embarrassed most like the absolute mug that he is it's brilliant all the people around you just cheering at him to get out incredible scenes love it and now moving on to our final post of today's episode cult stalkers think they can scare me out of my new home now this one is an update to a story that i read a few days ago on my channel if you haven't seen part one yet you kind of need to watch it for this to make sense so click the i button right now that's the video or go down into the pinned comment and the description it's linked there but you need to go to 13 minutes into the video to see the story it's the last story of that episode of that video hope that makes sense if you've not seen part one go watch it anyway this is part two so since my last post i've taken the advice that some of you gave me i told my boss my landlord and let my neighbors know about the fact that scientology have sent people to follow me and that they were likely to try and approach some of them 
Now, safe to say that everyone was pretty creeped out by that, but they've been very supportive and have been keeping an eye on them and what they are doing. I have started back at work. I asked for time off after they came to my door because of how uncomfortable and unsafe I was feeling with my stalkers being so close, and my kind neighbor has been helping me get out to work. I've been going out of my back door, climbing over her fence, and she's been letting me into her garage so I can get into the back of her car and she then drives me to work. I basically duck down as low as I can as we're driving past them, so hopefully they can't tell that I'm leaving. So far, I don't think they've noticed me going to work, but I'm still very cautious every time I hear the door open at work in case it's one or both of them. I don't feel safe getting a gun because of the risks it could bring. Scientology aren't above breaking into buildings for their own gain. One time, they even broke into an FBI building to replace FBI documents about them with Scientology-approved documents. If I had a gun and they were to break into my home, they're also not above planting things to frame people for crimes, if it means either scaring people to back down or into doing what they want. And if they found a gun, it could put me in danger. In Scientology, there is a policy called R245, and I really worry that them having any kind of access to a gun, even if it were mine, and being in my home could tempt them into following that policy. All right, just a little bit of research. R245 is the act of shooting a person with a firearm in Scientology. Well, that's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, OP does actually then explain what R25 is. Uh, Yeah, I should probably explain what it is so you can hopefully understand why I'm worried about having a gun near me or them. In Scientology doctrine, exteriorization refers to the separation of the thetan, that's the soul, from the body, a phenomenon which LRH, who I believe is the uh, the founder of Scientology, could be wrong there, but I think so, asserts can be achieved through auditing. Yes, LRH is L. Ron Hubbard, who is the founder of Scientology. What a great guy. So R245 is a process by which exteriorization could be produced by shooting a person in the head with a 0.45 pistol. Right, okay. Uh, This is acknowledged by Scientology, but they deny that it is meant to be serious publicly in order to protect themselves for people looking further into the cult's policies. But privately, I know so many who truly believe that the use of this policy is okay because it's what the founder said. Right, so they're pretty much just saying it's completely fine in their cult's beliefs to shoot someone for exteriorization. Right, makes sense. I did ask my landlord about getting a dog. He originally said no because he doesn't allow pets in his property. But yesterday he called me and said I could have a dog if I still wanted to. He told me that he'd received letters from a few different Scientologists, including my parents, telling him how I am a drug addict and I get violent on a regular basis when high. My parents said in their letter that they're worried about me being out here on my own because without them to help control my violent outbursts, people could get seriously hurt. They claimed that they had proof that I was still using drugs and provided my landlord with a picture that the stalkers had obviously taken after looking through my trash. They told my landlord that they really didn't think it was a good idea to continue letting me live on my own in his house and that he should help convince me to go back to them where they can get me back in line. The evidence they've used for me using drugs is an empty box of over-the-counter pain meds that I'd bought ages ago and I'd finish with. My landlord thinks that if these are the sorts of accusations they're willing to try throwing at me now, who knows what's next or what they'll do if I continue to ignore them or refuse to go back. 
As long as I don't let the dog cause any damage to the property, he's okay with me having a dog to help protect me if they try and come to my door again or if they attempt to break in for any reason. He's also given me permission to have security cameras installed both on the outside and on the inside of the house. We discussed it and when I told him about my worries of them breaking in and their history of planting evidence of crimes on people, we agreed that having a few discreet cameras inside would be good. So if they did break in and try and plant anything, we'd have proof of them doing it. I've looked into the police in my area and while some of the cops do seem reliable, there are a lot who seem to be very willing to overlook things Scientology do. So for now, I don't really trust in them to help me. I've contacted a lawyer who is going to help me with restraining orders against the stalkers and is willing to do the same to anyone else Scientology sends to harass me. I've also contacted the Aftermath Foundation and they are being amazing and really helping me. And I really appreciate the suggestion I think a few people gave me to go to them. Well, as I said, guys, before we got into this one, if you haven't yet seen part one, part two probably didn't make too much sense. But um, I remember at the end of part one, I didn't really know what to say in terms of, you know, get the police involved was my kind of only suggestion, I think. But clearly OP is not too, you know, trustworthy in them. Sounds like he's doing the right thing, though, you know, getting lawyers in the mix, getting some restraining orders. Your landlord, by the way, what a legend, you know, going against his own policy, knowing that you need help. Really nice, really nice dude, actually. I appreciate that. Most landlords would not do that. So allowing you to get a dog to make you feel safer, very, very good stuff. Apart from that, I mean, I don't really know what to suggest. Again, guys, comment down below if you have any suggestions for OP, things that he hasn't listed, because it's a pretty terrible situation. If you don't know, he's run away from his family who were members of Scientology, pretty much. Um, and now they're trying to get him back sending people after him to make him come back it's very very weird uh it's a terrible terrible situation i don't really know what to do apart from what you've already done fair play drama goblin wants them to restart the funeral i have another drama goblin disaster drama goblin has met an all-time low even for the goblin herself some background in case you're new to this delusional beast of a human being we are childhood best friends I moved to my podunk town when I was very young and she was awkward and shy like me and we became fast friends. When we grew up, I did. She never grew out of the same exact mindset that we had as children. It caused us to drift. Before I ultimately decided that enough was enough, she remarried and her husband and my husband ended up becoming best friends. For a while, they pushed us on each other, often. That never ended well. I suspect at least one of them has seen these on here as well, as in the Reddit posts. They finally accepted that I don't need the stress and left me alone. Her husband, however, spends a lot of time at our house because he can't stand being home because of the condition that she leaves the house in. That's another story though. You can check my history if you feel I'm leaving something out because I've explained this all before. Well, don't you worry. This is just story one of four different stories I'm gonna look at in this one episode. One of our childhood friends recently passed away. He'd been struggling with an illness and finally lost his battle. He did not have a lot of family. They postponed the showing and the funeral for a little over a week due to restrictions with COVID and whatnot. They ended up combining the two and posted it online and in the newspaper. Now, Drama Goblin knew the date and time to be there because I saw that she shared the post with all the info. The day of, she does what she always does and procrastinates getting ready. I mean, who doesn't, am I right? Anyway, she refused to leave her house until she looked perfect. 
She didn't even put her laundry in though until half an hour before the time to be there Now her husband actually told my husband that later So therefore he couldn't get the kids ready until the laundry was dry herself. Well, she took hours Then half an hour before the time it said the funeral would be over She tells her husband they have to leave now or they'll be late She arrives right as everyone is leaving for the most part She gets upset that she missed it She stamps her foot and demands they start over because he would have wanted it that way He was her best friend and she needed the closure The family did not know how to take her At first I think they thought she was joking But she kept whining and pressuring them to at least let her get up on the podium and say a few things The funeral director, I think, he seemed to be in charge Whispered something to his aunt and they refused more graciously than I would have They said they had to close for cleaning This caused Drama Goblin to have a meltdown And her husband had to drag her out of the funeral and back into their car She gets angry, claiming that he manhandled her and didn't take her side Calling it abuse I know it will all blow over in a few days. It always does. But dang, the audacity. I know our friend that passed was fond of her, but I doubt he would have wanted that. All I know is if she decides to pull that rubbish at my funeral, I'd rather she didn't come at all. Yeah, audacity is the exact right word to use there. I mean, that is insane. The disrespect. If there's one thing that you should never, ever be late for, surely it's a funeral. I mean, you guys that know me well probably know that I'm not very good with time also. I do procrastinate a lot and I am often late for things, unfortunately. One of my worst habits. But a funeral. I'd never ever be late for a funeral. Are you joking? But being late is one thing coming in and saying no restart it now It's what he would have wanted. Are you joking? Sure, you might be mates with the guy, but you're late. You're not even his family. How can you say these sort of things? Oh, unbelievable, honestly. That is just a little insight into who this person is. But guys, we've got three more stories to get to. Let's carry on. So then, story number two. Now, this one is from three months ago. The first one was literally just from a day ago. Drama Goblin and the trip to the lake. We live near a large lake. In the summer of 2018, we decided to utilize it. My husband and I went with our kids a few times and we had a blast. Well, my husband decided he wanted to invite the drama goblin, her husband and their children. She has five, but only has custody of the last four that she has with the current husband. These four are all under eight and the eight-year-old is severely autistic mostly non-verbal, and he wants to run away all the time, constantly. From home, in the store, at the park, everywhere. So you have to watch him very carefully. I was nervous about this outing, clearly, understandably. Now, Drama Goblin, guys, if you didn't already know, is pretty entitled. When she's out, she doesn't do anything with her kids. She actually expects her husband to do it all. And if her husband is tied up with one of her kids already, then too bad. My family unit got there before the goblin family. My husband, the kids, and I all helped pack our beach stuff down to the spot we picked out. When the goblin family arrived, Drama Goblin came over to us and left her husband to unload all the kids and get all the stuff. So we just left Drama Goblin and went to help out her husband instead, which she was huffy about. She followed us over to chat, but did not help. I helped unbuckle her youngest, who was barely walking. Then the toddlers, who were two and three at the time. Her son books it towards the lake. The drama goblin, who didn't even grab anything, was on her phone, not paying attention. We corral him and finish setting up our spots. 
Finally, the men start cooking food while the women, folk, and kids go for a dip. When it was time to eat, I made my kids' plates and went to make my own. And I noticed that Drama Goblin had made her own plates and sat down. Her husband had walked back to the car with my husband to get this inflatable raft. I just sigh and make her kids eat hot dogs and then sit and eat. Drama Goblin is trying to make conversation. And for the most part, we were having a good time. Then her son gets up and starts running towards the lake. The men are still kind of far away, but on their way back. Drama Goblin had finished her plate and was just watching her son run away with no indication that she was going to go after him. After only the slightest of hesitations, because obviously I thought she was going to run after her own son, I instead ran after her son and was able to get to him, but only after he'd made it to the water. I was so scared. He can't swim and he needs a life jacket and us in the water with him. He fights me while I'm trying to get him out and all the while his own mother never left the picnic table. When we get back, Drama Goblin and her husband are having a mini argument about why her husband couldn't have chased him. He knew their son was prone to that. Why couldn't he keep an eye on him? He, of course, asked her why she couldn't have done that and she just says, well, OP did before I could react. What? At that point, I was done with the evening, but managed to say and help her husband keep her kids alive. Her son dove off the raft multiple times, and if her husband couldn't get him, my husband or I would. When her husband finally snapped at her, she said, I'm here to relax. Like what? You can relax. Just take turns with us so your kid doesn't die. Also, none of us deserve the chance to relax because she was hogging all the relaxation, apparently. Haha. <laughs> oh well, I guess she'll never be normal. Well, if there's one thing that we can all agree on, it's that she's definitely not normal. I mean, what is that? Seriously. All right, so guys, answer me this. At what point would Drama Goblin, who is watching her eight-year-old autistic son, who she knows can't swim, sprint towards a lake? At what point, if no one else had gone and tried to save him, would she have actually got up from the picnic table? I mean, seriously, answer down below. Comment down below. When do you think? When he was already drowning? When he'd already drowned? Like, at what point is she actually going to move? It's so strange. Just waiting for anyone and everyone else to help before she does with her own children. It's ludicrous. But guys, unfortunately, that's not the end of the video. We're only halfway through. Now moving on to part three. Drama Goblin wants me to replace a gift I gave her that she ruined. I work retail. I manage, but the job is still very physical and exhausting. My job is 50% work and 50% babysitting. Sometimes because I'm there all the time, I find some sweet deals. I'm super into makeup, Halloween, creepy stuff, etc. I found a few Halloween palettes of makeup, some brushes, and some other really awesome Halloween makeup. It was marked down for $1 or under, so I grabbed everything they had. I figured I'd give them as Christmas gifts. I looked online, and these palettes were worth 30 to 40 depending on the size, not to mention the other stuff. Now, Drama Goblin was recently diagnosed with seizures and swore that this was going to be a whole new leaf she was gonna change for the better. A few days ago, her husband, who OP is now calling TH, or Trapped Husband, happened to come by right before I went to work. And so I made a package to send her of one of all the different makeup and accessories I got. I posted pics of a few of my makeup looks and she commented that she wanted to play too. I sent a bag with her husband and told him to tell her I had some for myself and some for another of my friends that sometimes hangs out with Drama Goblin with me. 
though it has been three years. It's been about four or five days. Last night, she randomly messaged me. Now, maybe I'm taking this the wrong way, but it went right through me. She said that she had given the makeup that I gave to her to her daughters. She said she just didn't think it would be nice enough for her. After her daughters played with it, she saw how pigmented it was and decided she did like it and tried to take it back. Of course, then her daughters threw a fit and their makeup was ruined in the process. She then complained that she'll never get to play with it now. She asked me if I've given my other friend theirs yet. I was like, no, because I've been kind of sick and quarantining since the day after her husband had been over. She then has the audacity to ask if instead of giving it to my friend, I should give it to her instead because it's not fair that her kids broke her gift. I was shocked. How can a grown 35-year-old woman think that that's reasonable? I just didn't even respond. She blew me up for about an hour or so after. I finally read the messages this morning. It was a lot of, it's not fair, she won't even miss it, it's not my fault my daughter's busted it, etc, etc. I wanted to screenshot and send her own message to her, but I refrained. She didn't think she would like them, so she gave them to her daughters, gave them to two and four-year-old girls to play with. What did she think would happen? Honestly, this woman's relationship with her kids is so weird. Firstly, she won't save them if they're drowning. Now she gives them stuff and then just takes it away when it turns out that she actually quite likes the look of it. I mean, seriously, like what's going on here? This person is not sane, is she? She is clearly got something very badly wrong with her. Like she just prioritizes herself over everyone, including her own children. That's the mad thing that I can't get my head around. Very, very strange. Any of you watching that are parents, comment down below. Ever given your child something and then taken it back off them? I doubt it, right? Weird. And by the way, I mean taking it back off them for you to use. Not just taking it away from them, as in you've looked at that and thought, you know what? I'm now jealous of my kid using that. I want it back to use myself. No one would ever do that, surely. And now moving on to our final part of today's episode. This is part four, guys. But honestly, I've gone back through OP's posts on Reddit and there are so many different stories that they've posted about drama goblins. So if you guys do want to see more early warning, drop a like on this video and comment down below that you want more from drama goblin and I'll get to it. But anyway, part four. Why don't we marry drama goblin's husband? I love the start of this. So it's me again with more from the drama goblin saga. We bought a house a few months ago. It needs some work. My husband and I have been busting our butts, doing most of the work ourselves to save money. Also, I like that kind of stuff. It makes me feel like Chip and Joe from Fixer Upper. It needs a lot of work, but it's coming around. We're so close to getting it done and moving my family into a much needed larger space. If you remember from my first post about the goblin, her husband is an electrician. Look, guys, we haven't even had a chance to get to that future video let me know if you live in my states before they turn the electricity on you have to hire an inspector to come and check out the situation if they find issues you have to fix them and then pay for them to come back and inspect again so as to avoid the possibility of having to pay for multiple inspections we asked her husband to come and inspect and help us fix any issues when we bought the place my husband and her husband had already made the plans to do this when we got to this point So my husband calls and sets up a day a week later for him to come out. I even talked to Drama Goblin myself about it. She seemed in a good mood and had no interest in it. She only wanted to talk about her dreams of being a professional wrestler. Lamau, every post I'm learning more and more about this goblin. 
goodness me, I actually reckon she'd be a pretty decent wrestler. You know, it sounds like it. She loves fighting everyone. Fast forward to the day. He shows up late and he seems agitated. Turns out, Drama Goblin decided last second that he needed to stay home and fix their rented home. If she'd just cleaned the house, they could call the landlord to fix it. But that's just common sense, and I guess that she doesn't have any. She was guilt tripping him and trying to get him to blow us off. However, we paid him. We helped them a lot financially, because despite him making a decent living, they struggle because of Jarma Goblin's online shopping addiction. He always pays us back in payments, so it's not an issue. Her husband helps us, too. He'd barely made it in the door before Jarma Goblin started blowing him up. After explaining to her a million times, he starts ignoring her. So she starts blowing me up. Drama Goblin is so upset. It's not fair that her husband is helping us when they need some flooring that's starting to rot fixed. She needs him to do it that day. I apologize if she feels like we're hogging him, but we paid him and asked in advance. I even reminded her that she herself knew about it. I suggested that she set it up with my husband and her husband to work on her floors on their next days off. That would be the following weekend. But no, that was too logical. She needed him home right then. It wasn't fair. She didn't want to be alone with the kids. He got to come and hang out. No amount of explaining that we weren't just hanging out would get through to her. She wanted him out of the house. Her husband then told me that he had offered to bring her to her parents, but she spent four hours getting ready and had made little progress by the time that he needed to leave. He'd gotten all four of their kids ready. All she had to do was get ready herself. He ended up having to leave her because she hadn't even changed out of her pajamas or really started at all. She claimed she needed more time. Frustrated, he threw his hands in the air and left. Now she doesn't drive. She likes to blame everyone else but herself. I myself actually tried to take her to get her license, but that's another entitled parent story. After about two hours of Drama Goblin harassing us, she finally told me that I was the worst friend ever. It shouldn't have, but it actually hurt my feelings. Because even though she's crazy and a POS, I don't hesitate to help them nearly every single time they need it. I listen to her vent. Sometimes I sympathize. Yes, I do drop in truth bombs so she doesn't vent as much anymore because she doesn't like what I have to say. She decided that her husband was abusing and neglecting her. She then said, why doesn't he just marry you? I mean, look, some of the most childish stuff was being thrown at us all because we paid him to inspect our electric. He had to rush the whole thing. We ended up having at least one issue, maybe two. He had to leave because she said she was having seizures again and needed help with the kids. So we're going to have to make another appointment with him to finish up before we can pay the inspector. Ugh. Okay, title of this one makes sense now. I was starting to think, what does that mean? Your husband should just marry us instead. But it all makes sense now. Incredible. Being paid to go to work apparently is hanging out. I've I've seen it all now. I've seen it all. It's unbelievable. It really is. Four hours of getting ready and selling your pajamas. Sounds like a lovely Sunday to me. Uh, It is incredible. It really, really is. Honestly, when she said to you, you're the worst friend ever, just take that and go, you know what? It does hurt my feelings a little bit. Fair enough. I'd rather not be called that because who would? But that's your excuse to get out now. That's your excuse to say, you know what? Yeah, I am. We're done as mates. Don't talk to me again. That's what I would have done anyway. Neighbor kept parking on my property. So I had him towed. Hello, everyone. 
First thing is that this issue just happened this week and I'm so mad that I'm shaking as I type this I'm going to apologize up front if I ramble, but I honestly can't believe this actually happened First off some backstory I'm a single mother of two teenage boys and I live in a nice quiet neighborhood at the end of a cul-de-sac Every house on this street has a garage and i'm the only one that has a single car and parks in my garage Almost every house on this street is a family home with at least three cars But most have more some will park in their driveway and some will park on the streets It's never been a problem since everyone is considerate on how they park and no one has ever had an issue with getting in and out of the streets. In addition, I tend to keep myself to myself. I'm not antisocial and I wave and say hello to my neighbors when I come and go from my home, but usually when I get home, I stay home. So I say all of this to give you an idea that I'm a homebody and my neighbors pretty much know that when I get home, I stay home. About six months ago, the house to my right was sold to a larger family that consisted of a dad, a mum, and three teenagers. The day they started moving in, I made a point to go over to the edge of the property to wave and greet them in order to welcome them to the neighborhood. They were friendly and I was happy to have such nice people move in next door. Also note, this family used their garage for storage and thus parked their four cars in their driveway. I didn't know at the time, but their youngest son was just months away from his 16th birthday. Now that you have a little information, on to the story. Today is Monday afternoon, and this story began last Tuesday. Around 6 p.m. on Tuesday, I received a knock on the door, and it was the dad of the new neighbors. The following is our conversation. Good evening, how are you? He said. I replied to him, talking through the screen door. We're okay. I'm sorry, I can't open the door because my youngest came home from school with a sore throat today, and so I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him. How are you, and how can I help? Ah, I'm sorry to hear that and I hope it isn't anything serious. Yeah, uh, we're okay My son just turned 16 a few weeks ago and i'm sure you saw the new truck we bought him Yeah, I did. It's such a pretty truck and it's big. Does he like it? Yes, he does It's what he wanted. So we got it for him Yes, it is very big and that's what I wanted to talk to you about Let's take a brief pause here and understand that when I say this truck is very big It is very big It's an F-350. I personally think it's too much of a vehicle for a kid learning to drive, but it's not my money, so to each their own. Uh, okay, um, I don't understand what you're getting at, I reply. Well, we've been getting complaints from some of the other neighbors that his truck is so big that they can't get around it when they're driving through, and we're afraid that it might get sideswiped if he continues to park it in the streets. Yeah, um, I've had some intense moments trying to get around it myself but I'm sure he'll get better at parking as he gets more experienced. I'm not sure what this has to do with me though. I haven't complained. Oh, no, I know you haven't complained, which is why I was going to ask if he could use your driveway to park since you don't use it. I was very stunned at this. Um, no, I do use my driveway when I leave and come home. I can't get to my garage without using my driveway. Besides, I have issues with depth perception and your son's truck is so big It will take up most of my driveway and I don't want to be responsible for any damage that might happen while it's on my property I mean what a polite way to say no your son can't park his car on my property Obviously well, we'll make sure that he parks so that it will allow you to come and go without any issues Yeah, no that isn't possible 
The only way he can park to allow me to get around him is if he parks halfway on my lawn And that wouldn't work because then he'd be damaging my lawn If you're concerned about his truck getting damaged Then just let him park in your driveway and put one of your other smaller cars in the streets Well, we've already discussed that and we'd actually have to park two cars in the streets in order for him to use the driveway Look, it would be very easy for him to just park in your driveway and I can assure you that it will not be an inconvenience to you. Again, you don't even use your driveway. I'm sorry, but the answer is no. I'm not going to be responsible for his vehicle on my property and I need to be able to come and go without worrying about someone else's car. Now, the dad was actually very upset by this point. Well, you are not being very neighborly. I thought you were a nice woman. You don't use your driveway and this would benefit the whole neighborhood. At this point, I lose my temper. Listen, I told you no and I do use my driveway every time I pull into my garage and every time I leave. Look, I'm sorry you don't have enough parking for all your vehicles. I'm sure it's frustrating, but it's not my problem that you decided to buy a vehicle that didn't fit in your property. Now, while I also find it irritating to try and navigate the road with that truck in the way, it is public parking, and so I deal with it. I'm not going to have anyone else's vehicle parking on my property, though. Now, if you don't mind, I've got a sick kid and I need to get back to him. Have a good day. With that, I closed the door and then looked out the peephole and saw him give me the bird before he turned to leave. I just shook my head and had to take a moment to understand that I actually just had that conversation. I then loaded my son into the car and left to take him to minor emergency to get him checked out. All tests came back negative and I was told he probably had a run-of-the-mill virus and to keep him home and do self-care. I was told to bring him in if it gets worse, but not to worry. I went to work the next day and told my co-workers the story of my neighbor's request and they were shocked. I had one co-worker suggest that I send an email to my HOA to explain what happened just to get it on record because it was such an odd request. I took her advice and I typed up an email that day when I was at lunch and sent it. For those who want to know, it was just an FYI email, not a complaint. It basically stated that my neighbor made a request to park on my property and that when I declined, he got mad at me and I wanted it on record just in case anything ever happens. So I'm very glad that I sent this email. So Friday comes and my youngest son has been homesick since Tuesday afternoon. On Friday evening, I checked him and he had begun to run a fever and was complaining about several other things. I've been doing self-care with him since Tuesday and he didn't appear to be getting any better. Around 7 p.m., I decided to take him back to minor emergency and loaded him up in the car. I opened my garage door and I was absolutely shocked to see that very big F-350 sitting in my driveway blocking me i can't describe to you how angry i was to see that vehicle sitting there so i get out of my car and stomp over to my neighbor's house and bang on their door this time it was the mum who answered the door and this was our conversation she was irritated and kind of angry can i help you you're interrupting our dinner your son is parked in my driveway after i told your husband he couldn't I need to take my son to minor emergency and that truck is blocking me in. It's at this time that the dad walks up behind the mum and proceeds talking. He isn't blocking you in. You can get around him. No, I can't. You need to move that truck or I'm going to call the police and a tow truck. I need to get my son to see the doctor. The dad then turns to call for his son and then turns back to me. He's not blocking you, but fine. I'll have him move it. Yeah, it doesn't matter whether you believe he's blocking me in or not. 
He's not allowed to park in my driveway. No one is allowed to park in my driveway. And if I find an unauthorized vehicle parked in my driveway again, I'm not going to bother knocking on your door. I'm going to have it towed. It was at this time that I saw the son arrive at the door with his keys in his hands. And I turned to leave and head to my car to wait for him to move his truck. And I heard him call me that famous B word every woman has heard at least once in her life. I ignored him and headed to my car and watched as he got in and after some effort, finally was able to back out of my driveway, parking his truck in the street a little way down the road. I was able to leave and take my son to minor emergency where, as we waited for several hours to be seen, I shot off another email to my HOA about what had just happened. I want to advise that the HOA had already responded the day before that they received my email, made a note of it, and advised my property was my own and that I could give or deny access to it as I wish. It was this email string that I responded to while waiting for my kid to be seen. Again, all tests administered to my son came back negative and I was told it was a run-of-the-mill virus and that he'd be fine. The virus just had to run its course. I took him home and called it a day. Saturday evening, my oldest started complaining of a sore throat and I was starting to feel poorly myself. My youngest appeared to be getting better, so I figured that whatever he had, we were getting. So we stayed in all day Saturday and Sunday. Sunday evening at about 5.30, my oldest son spiked a fever. And while it came down a little, it didn't come down enough. So I loaded him in the car and off to minor emergency we went. The only one I could find that was open on Sunday at this time was on the other side of town. So I had to drive 20 minutes just to get there. We ended up waiting for three hours just to get in the door and then another 45 minutes until we saw the doctor. After a few more hours and all of his tests coming back negative, the doctor did state that she could hear some wheezing in his lungs. So she prescribed an inhaler for him to help him, but basically told me the same thing. He's got a run-of-the-mill virus and to let it run its course. I had to drive even further to the only 24-hour pharmacy available to pick up the inhaler and we didn't get back to the house until almost midnight. Guys, you can probably see where this is going, but let me set the scene for you. My son is half asleep in the passenger seat and complaining that he just wants to go home. I'm exhausted, feeling drained and having coughing fits myself and I'm just looking forward to going to bed. When I round the corner and saw that truck sitting in my driveway... This time, I couldn't even pull in because he was blocking me. And I also noticed that he was parked partially on my lawn. I was so mad, I could hardly see straight. I googled and found a 24-hour tow truck service and explained that I had an unauthorized vehicle on my property that I needed towing. The woman said it would be about 30 minutes before they could get a truck there, and I said that that was fine. In the meantime, I walked my kid to the house and put him to bed, and then quickly went outside and took a picture from the street to show just how much of the driveway he was taking and that he was also parked on my lawn. I could not understand why they were parked in my driveway again after I told them no. And the only thing I could come up with is that since there had been no activity at my house for hours, that my neighbors probably assumed I was in for the night and wouldn't notice the truck in my driveway. This is pure speculation, but it is normal for me to be in there for the night, especially after six o'clock. I don't know if they missed me leaving or just saw me leave but figured I was home, but it really doesn't matter because I told them they couldn't park on my property. It was about 12.30 a.m. when the tow truck arrived and I half expected my neighbors to come running. 
but there wasn't any activity from them and the driver left with the truck without incidents i went in shot off another email to my hoa along with pictures and an explanation that i had towed the vehicle and then i went to bed at 6 a.m this morning i woke up to someone banging loudly and rapidly on my door i didn't have to look i knew who it was i grabbed my phone hit the video record button Before I opened the door, I looked through the peephole and saw the dad and his son at my door. I opened up and here is the following conversation. Where is the truck? The dad shouted. I reply as calmly as I could while coughing. It was towed. You can call such and such company to make arrangements to get it back. You didn't have the right to tow it. You're going to pay to get it back. I had every right to tow an unauthorized vehicle on my property. I told you not to park on my property and you lot did it anyways. It blocked me from getting in my driveway last night. I told you I was going to have it towed after the last time you parked without my permission. And I won't be paying anything to get it back. You stole the truck, you effing female dog. And I'm calling the police. I'm going to sue you. Oh, you know what? Go ahead. In the meantime, I'm sick and I'm going back to bed. I closed the door and just stood there for a moment. I looked out the peephole and they were still there. The dad started banging and was also ringing my doorbell nonstop. He knocked and rang my doorbell for another four minutes before giving up. At this point, I am still recording and I didn't turn off the video until he was gone. I turned and saw my kids standing there. The noise had gotten them up and I just advised that if they were still feeling ill, go back to bed because that's where I was going. Now, I will honestly say that I didn't think that he would call the police, but the dad did. It was about another half an hour. I really wasn't looking at the clock and then I heard the doorbell ring. I got up, looked through the peephole and a police officer was there. I opened the door and had the following conversation. Good morning, mom. Sorry to bother you, but we've had a report from your neighbor. He is stating that you stole his son's truck by having it towed from the street, and we need to talk to you about this issue. Good morning, officer. Well, you see, my neighbor is only telling you half the story. I had his truck towed this morning from my driveway when I returned home from minor emergency. I couldn't get into my driveway and I've already told him twice that him and his family can't park on my property. This issue started last week and I have emails to my HOA, pictures of his truck parked in my driveway this morning and a video of my neighbor's visit this morning where he called me names and told me he was going to sue me and called the police. I can show you all of that if you'd like. Yes, please. So you're saying that the trucking question was on your property without your permission and that you had it towed? Yeah. Last Tuesday, he asked if I would allow his son to park in my driveway. I told him no, and he got mad at me, flipping me off before leaving. Then, Friday evening, when I was leaving, I discovered that his son had parked in my driveway and I couldn't leave my garage. I went over and demanded they remove the vehicle and I told them at that time that I would have the truck towed if they parked on my property again. I came home late this morning and the truck was in my driveway, so I had it towed. I just want to confirm, you're saying that it wasn't parked on the streets, but it was in your driveway and you have proof of this. Yes, sir. If you give me a minute, I'll print off the emails that I sent to the HOA that documents the issue. And I will also show you the picture and video as well. With this, the officer said that he would wait for me to print everything off. Once I got the emails printed, I then returned to the door. I opened my photos app to the officer to show the truck in my driveway, timestamped. 
I handed my phone and printed emails to him After looking at the photo where you could clearly see my house in the background The truck blocking the entrance and that it was partially on the lawn The officer then read the printouts He handed my phone back to me and asked me to open the video that I had referenced while he went over to the lawn to look I watched him look at the area and then take a few photos I could see my neighbor and his whole family standing in their driveway watching me and the officer The officer returned and I handed him back my phone with the video ready and he watched after he finished watching my video We had the following conversation. All right I'm gonna need a copy of that photo and video for my file If I provide you with an email, would you be able to send it to me? Yes, sir. No problem. Okay, well, I've got enough information for my files to determine that the vehicle was not on public property and was in fact on your property. I've made a note that you did not give permission for the vehicle to be parked on the property. Based on the emails you gave me with dates and times, it appears you did in fact advise your neighbor not to park on your property. Would you like to file a trespassing report for this incident? Oh, absolutely. As you said that you're not feeling well, you can either file with me now or you can go online later. He got his business card out and was writing on it and then handed it to me. Here is my business card with my email address that you need to use to send me your photo and video. And the case number is on the card as well. Do you want to file with me now? Yeah, honestly, I'm exhausted and I would prefer to file online later. Okay, no worries. Reference this case number when you email your evidence and file the online report. Also reference my name in the report. One more thing. I saw in the video where your neighbor stated he was going to sue you for having the truck towed. Now he can sue you if he wants. So I'd advise that you keep all of the evidence you provided me with today along with the case number I just gave you. Give it a few days and you can request a copy of the report and you'll want to keep that as well. If you decide to file an online report, you'll need to keep a copy of that too. I'm going to go and talk to your neighbor now and sorry to have bothered you. No, thank you, officer. And I'm really sorry that you had to come out. Have a good day, mom. Get some rest. And with that, I closed the door and went back to bed. However, I was so mad that I didn't get any sleep. A few hours ago, I sent off my photo, video, and another copy of the HOA emails to the email address the police officer gave me, and then I saved all of that information just in case. I also filed a trespassing report online. I then sat down and started typing the story. Not really sure where this is going to go, but I'm going to see it through. Now look, I know that I'm going to get a lot of pushback from people saying that I should have just knocked on the door and had them move the truck but I feel that I was right to have the truck towed. I'd already told them twice not to park on my property and it didn't stop. So that was the consequence. I'm going to post an update later if there is anything that comes of my report or if the neighbor dad does actually follow up on his threat to sue me. I mean, look, what an absolute beast of a story that just was. And to be honest with you, I don't think that OP deserves any pushback. I really hope she didn't get any in the comments because it's illegal what they're doing. You deserve to have a tow truck called on you. You're parking on someone else's property after they said no. Sorry, that's what you deserve. Like, I would love to add some more commentary here, but I mean, it's as simple as that in my opinion. Do you guys agree? If someone parks on your land and you've asked them not to, I mean, to be fair, you don't even have to ask them not to. It's nice to ask them not to. Fair enough. Opie did that. But then doing it again, nah, get the tow truck in. Get that massive truck off to some like tow truck land. I don't know what it's called, like a land where they keep all the cars that have been towed. Why do you even need a big truck anyway? For your 16 year old son that's my question get him a little fiat punto that'll suit him down to the ground but op before you go um please do 
give us an update on what happens because I want to know, you know, how the suing goes. That's that's the most interesting part about this whole thing. This dad is literally suing seemingly for the sake of it. I mean, he's got nothing to sue for. He was the one who was doing the wrong thing, you know, him and his son. Why would you sue? What are you going to gain? I want to see what comes from that. And I also want to see what comes from, you know, the trespassing, legalities and stuff like that. So please do keep me updated because I want to know. Drunk mother showed up to berate me in the middle of the night and vomited all over herself. This happened not long after I turned 15 and my mum had tried to send me to military school behind my father's back. Well, that's a wonderful start, isn't it? We didn't know yet, but during this time, my mother was having an affair with an old high school ex-boyfriend of hers that she'd somehow reconnected with. She'd claimed that she was going out to drink with friends, but she really didn't have friends, save for a few co-workers she occasionally went out with, but they didn't really like her all that much. My dad and I figured maybe she'd finally made some real friends because she actually got a bit nicer and was leaving me alone more. Whenever mum went out drinking with co-workers, she always took a cab to head out and then came back in one later so she wouldn't drink and drive. The cab service even knew her by name since she called every week. None of her co-workers really tolerated her enough to be her designated driver, so no one really got suspicious when she was using this routine more frequently to go meet her lover. One night, however, my mum came home extremely drunk and hobbled her way up to my room. I awoke to her pounding on my locked door at about 4am. She was punching and kicking it from the way it sounded. I opened the door to see her standing there looking disheveled, swaying back and forth and slurring her words. She called me a bad child for not doing as she says anymore and that she wished she'd only had girls. I was understandably freaked out and told her to go away. It was about that time my dad showed up and this happened. The following is again paraphrased as this happened a long time ago. What the heck is going on here in the middle of the god dang night? My dad said. My mum replied very drunk. I was, uh, I was telling this little idiot exactly what I think of him for disrespecting me. He's totally out of control. How much have you had to drink tonight? Oh, that's, that's none of your freaking business. You, you, you. It looks like she's thinking really hard for a second. Limp snake piece of fermented waste. I should have married the other guy. He's so much better than you. He treats me like a real woman. What other guy? Mum just then looked like she was going to hurl and turned to go down the hall and headed towards the upstairs bathroom. But she only managed to hobble about halfway before projectiles spewing her guts out all over the upstairs hallway. Then she fell over face first onto her own vomits and passed out. Dad was visibly disgusted. He then asked me to help him get her to the bathroom so he could clean her up. But as we went to lift her, we noticed a smell quickly forming around us. My mother had actually soiled herself while laying in her own vomits. The smell of alcohol, vomit, pee, and wet poop mixed together was horrendous but we still had to carry her to the bathroom. Oh my God, guys, I've got such a horrible image in my mind right now. My dad had me get a whole roll of paper towels and a garbage bag, then spent the next 45 minutes cleaning my mother up in the bathtub. He threw her clothes into the washing machine and then put her to bed. She woke up with a bad hangover the next morning, all the while not remembering anything she did or said, and she was more embarrassed than I'd ever seen her when she found out what happened. It wasn't me or my dad who told her. Nope, 
It was my sister. We were going to try and spare her the finer details on what happened, but my sister blabbed the whole thing in front of her while she was nursing a coffee at the kitchen table. My dad took some time off work to call in a carpet service that same day. He had the hallway carpet ripped up, then had the floor steam cleaned before new carpet was put down. My mother hid in her room the entire time because she didn't want to be seen, and she stayed clear of me for a while. But she then soon fell back into her usual habits. My dad got suspicious after my mum mentioned the other guy and got the call logs from the phone company for both the house phone and my mum's cell phone. And what he found was enough for him to call a private investigator. My mum was outed as a cheater soon after because she really didn't cover her tracks well. And that's when my dad finally said he wanted a divorce. I wasn't there to see the arguments when he called her out, but I was told it was next level. She went crazy and threw stuff all over the kitchen. Broken dishes everywhere. Yeah, guess who got to clean that up? Also, if anyone is wondering what happened to the guy my mum was having an affair with, my dad told me he actually applied for a transfer at his job and skipped town pretty fast. I've got no idea where he went or where he is now, and from what I've heard, he didn't ever contact my mum again. So, yeah, she threw away her marriage for a short fling that meant nothing. Not that I care. I'm one of the few people who are actually happy their parents are divorced. I mean, look, you guys probably know I've had some pretty drunk nights myself, but not to this extent. I don't think I've ever been in a state like this. Vomiting, sure, happens to the best of us, but also soiling yourself at the same time and having to be dragged upstairs into the bathroom and then put to bed by your husband. That is elite. Sorry. I mean, what a night she must have had. As for your mother, OP, um, yeah strange decision from her to do what she did i don't really get the benefit unless she was just super bored with her life and was like you know what let's just f everything up and see what happens maybe that's what she was going for but yeah clearly there were no long-term benefits and a lot of long-term disadvantages uh, like losing your entire family for one and now moving on to our second story of today's episode entitled uncle complains about halloween makeup dad kicks him out for some backstory At the time of this story, I, a 19-year-old woman, lived in a house with my five siblings, my parents, grandparents, uncle, and his twin sons. My siblings and I shared a room, my parents had a room, and my grandparents had the back room. My uncle and his kids lived in the backyard in a tent. What is going on in that house? Well, here we go. The reason they lived in the backyard is because my uncle used to treat my parents like it was his house and would criticize how we would clean. When my parents told him that it was in fact their house and not his, he bought a tent and refused to come back in. Oh my god. Right, so this is the sort of person that we're dealing with here. Goodness me, here we go. Now my siblings and I do not get along with our uncle because he'd always disrespected us and called us names. His kids were no better. They'd constantly be telling us that we need to stop doing boy things. My siblings and I would also have to keep all of our valuables close because our cousins were known thieves. At this time, I'd been experimenting with special effects makeup and liquid latex. This story takes place three days before Halloween and on Halloween itself. Story time. I had just started working on a makeup look in my bedroom when my first cousin walked in on his phone looking around. I ignored him and hoped he'd walk away and just leave me alone without any confrontation. 
Of course, that was too much to ask. After hanging up the phone, he walked up to me and just stared. OP, no boy will ever want you if you keep wearing makeup and dressing like a insert rude word here. I just nodded without looking up from my mirror. I knew he hated when he couldn't get a rise out of me, but I didn't want to give him that satisfaction. OP, I'm talking to you. I'll tell your dad that you're being rude to me and you'll get in trouble. See, I knew he was lying. He wasn't supposed to be in my room when nobody was home. If my dad knew that he was in the room, the boys and my uncle would be locked out of the house. He then started to slap my mirror while I was doing my contour. At this point, I was getting really angry and irritated. I decided to finally answer him. What do you want? Quit ignoring me. No man wants a girl so obsessed with her makeup. You need to get rid of it. He walked up to my desk and started grabbing my stuff. I didn't use most of it anyway because there were colors I didn't like to use. But then he grabbed all of my eyeliners and I was forced to get up and grab the makeup out of his hands, putting it back where it belongs. No, I don't think so. Leave my stuff alone get out of my room i wear makeup because i like it you're freaking ugly with or without it anyways no one will ever like you you again insert rude word you don't even have talent your makeup looks trash he hissed out with a smile with that i felt my ears get hot and i pushed him out of the room if i had a door i would have slammed it wait sorry you don't have a door on your bedroom Oh my god, what is this house? I'll admit, I may have pushed him a little bit rougher than I meant to, but I was angry. I always got comments about my makeup because I do have a more alternative style and I like bold colors. I told my sisters about everything that had happened and they just told me that he was a jerk and that they all loved my makeup. They all also had asked me if I was still willing to do their makeup for their Halloween costumes. And of course, I said yes. Halloween arrived and I began doing the girls' makeup while my cousins sat and watched. Two of them asked for lots of liquid latex and fake blood, seeing as they were dressing up as zombies. Of course they'd want to be something that a boy should be. I bet that's why you cut your hair. Are you one of those nasty slur for trans people? Commented my second cousin this time, making my first cousin laugh out loud and my sisters look sad. I saw my sisters start to pick at the liquid latex, trying to get it off. Hey, girls, don't forget that you're going to be the scariest looking zombies ever, and you all better act like it. Tell you what, you can take two of my black shirts and tear them up for your costume. Sound good? When I mentioned my black shirts, they got really happy and ran to my closet. I turned my head immediately towards my cousins, and I just snapped. You guys have no business talking to my sisters like that. Do it again, and I'm going to kick you both in the balls. Before they could say anything, my sisters ran back in with some shirts and scissors. While they were tearing up the shirts, I started on my younger sibling, who asked me to make her a rainbow skeleton. The cousins were silent while I did her face. Hopefully, they'd be silent throughout the rest of the faces. My last sibling asked me to do a Guy Fawkes mask. She had always loved V for Vendetta, so we decided to watch the movie while I did her face. I keep looking at my cousins and only catch their evil eyes. As I was finishing the last one, my first cousin comes up to the seat and sits down on the chair I use for the girls. I looked at him just sitting in the chair and I started packing my stuff up. He looked confused and tried to grab my arm. What are you doing? Make me look like Darth Maul. He sounded angry. Why should I do your face? You didn't even ask me to do your face. 
I continued packing and I was just walking away. Oh, just do it. You have all that stuff out. He sounded like a little kid that couldn't have another cookie. My cousins both came up to me and they began to berate me about how I'm such a female dog and should just do it anyways because I'd be getting experience. Sorry, are your cousins now choosing beggars as well? We shouldn't even have to ask you. Just do it. Yeah, quit being such a female dog. We're telling our dads. They finally just walked away and I went into the bathroom to make myself look like Ursula from The Little Mermaid. I took about an hour to finish and when I came out, they were standing in the living room watching TV with my uncle. My uncle then came up to me and started yelling about how I've always been so ungrateful and that I don't deserve anything. My sons are so upset that you won't do their faces and you've ruined Halloween for them. You're lucky you're not my kid or else I would be beating your butt black and blue. My uncle was still shouting at me when my parents came into the house. My dad immediately intervened. What the heck is going on here? Uncle, why are you yelling at my daughter like that? OP, are you okay? I didn't even realize I was crying until my dad asked me that. That little dog won't do their faces. She said she would. If she was my daughter, I... But my uncle got cut off by my dad's angry yelling voice. She isn't your daughter. You have no right to be yelling at her like that. I've been lenient towards you because you are my brother-in-law, but this is it. Pack your stuff and leave. You have until tomorrow morning to be out of here. Dad didn't even bother listening to my uncle's protests and started walking off. I looked at my cousins through my tears and was happy to see that they were upset. I should mention that the paint is what really made me tear up. It's water activated. So when I started crying and wiping my eyes, it got in my eyes and made the rest of my makeup run. My dad told me to fix my makeup and to go outside to trick or treat when I was done. I did as I was told and I had a blast. When we got home, my uncle and his kids were already gone. They spent months at my uncle's baby mama's house. Then she kicked them out because she found out he cheated on her. Last I heard from them, the boys were taken into CPS and my uncle put in jail because of him not having a house, job, or a way to support them. I don't know the details, but if I did, I'd let you guys know. And finally, OP has actually posted a picture of her with the Ursula makeup. And I've got to say, it looks really good. Why is someone abusing you for that? Oh, it makes no sense. It's brilliant. Congratulations, OP. You're clearly very talented. Ugh, your uncle and his kids are not. The time my entitled mother-in-law and father-in-law almost killed my child. The title is a bit dramatic, but oh well. I just got inspired to write about my crazy mother and father-in-law, and I hope that this can be used as a cautionary tale in this crazy time of the vid. This was back in 2010. We had to live with my husband's family for a while. It was my sister-in-law's house, but we lived with her, her daughter, my mother-in-law, father-in-law, and brother-in-law. When my son was five months old, my niece got violently ill one night and kept throwing up. Obviously, I decided to keep the baby away from the family so he wouldn't get sick. They didn't like that, especially my mother and father-in-law, who kept whining and complaining that I was keeping their precious grandson away even after explaining that I didn't want my niece to get him sick. I gave in eventually because I was tired of hearing them complain literally all day on the condition that my niece stays in her room the whole time 
and they wash first. Now, I'm aware that this is where I messed up. I had to use the bathroom and was only gone for a few minutes. When I came back, my niece was on the couch holding my son, snot dripping from her nose, throat scratchy, with my father-in-law telling her, give your cousin a big kiss, which she does right on the lips i freak out and snatch my baby and lock us in the bathroom so i can wash him the whole time my mother and father-in-law were at the door telling me that i'm overreacting and that sharing germs builds immunity and other bs of course the next morning he has a high fever and he's really lethargic i tell the in-laws that i want to take him to the hospital but my sister-in-law was adamant that it wasn't that bad and that i should make an appointment with his pediatrician instead now i didn't have a license or a car so i had to rely on other people like an idiot i listened to her because i thought she was on my side and knew more because her child is older i made an appointment for that afternoon I get there and the doctor took one look at him and told me to take him to the hospital which was one block down and said that they'd be expecting me he was admitted as soon as we walked in the door they told me that i was lucky and that if i'd waited any longer my baby wouldn't have lasted until the next day his lungs were filling up with mucus and he couldn't breathe he had to be hooked up to an oxygen tank and they had to vacuum suction the mucus out every hour We spent a week in the hospital and he made a full recovery. Of course, the in-laws fully blamed me, my mother-in-law especially, but the others more or less agreed with her. She said my son got sick because I was dirty for having a child out of wedlock and a bad mother. My husband was fuming and told her off, but that woman has the worst case of selective hearing I've ever seen. I never fully trusted her ever again. Right, guys. Now, I'll be honest. I don't know exactly which infections and which diseases a baby is supposed to get before they are a certain age. I do know that you are meant to expose your baby to certain ones of those, aren't you? Like, you know, chicken pox and stuff like that. You're meant to get at an early age so they don't affect you negatively later on in life. But that's not the case with every infection, is it? I mean, come on. You're not like permanently coughing on your baby when you're sick, trying to get them ill or, you know, kissing them on the mouth when they're not even your child come on that's ridiculous like look those of you that are more informed than me comment down below what you're actually supposed to do i clearly have no idea but i'm pretty sure you're not supposed to do that that is a little bit too far and i don't even know why i'm laughing to be honest that could have been so so serious yeah i've just i've just completely forgotten that your baby nearly died op i'm so sorry good thing you got to a doctor in time though my god because that could have been absolutely tragic that's unbelievable i mean i know your husband got annoyed with his parents and that side of the family but they don't seem to care that much that's what's mental like surely at least they've apologized or something but throughout the story at the end of it i saw not even like a a hint of an apology just oh it's your fault are you kidding me because you married out of wedlock your child nearly died these people man unbelievable i mean seriously a baby nearly died and they don't even care it's shocking now moving on to our second story entitled mum accuses me of luring her kid to my car then gets upset that i didn't offer him snacks so it's the first week of school and my nephew andy and his friend falcon are attending the same school again this however is a new school not the last one 
Both my sister-in-law and my neighbor, Sissy, Falcon's mother, have me on their emergency contact, and given that I have an active role in both the boys' life, I was asked to come in and walk the halls, do the meet and greet, and fill out some information. I've been given this little yellow card for when they get off the bus. As Clarissa and Sissy are both at work, the boys and little Beth will be chilling at my house after school. I've got a card for Beth as well. All things are good and everyone's happy. Later, I'm waiting at the bus stop in my 2000 Civic, which is immediately a ricer. I've got a kit on it that kind of makes it look like a Skyline. I'm driving it a lot right now because I've agreed to give it up to my niece for her 16th, and I want more time with my first car after putting almost 10 years of work into it. Things start when I hear a lady, we'll call her Karen, not because she's a Karen, but because I know that's her name, talking rubbish about my car. She's over there, standing outside her Ford Focus, looking like the mean female dog she always is. Now, I know Karen well enough. Her son, who I will call Dennis, like the menace, was once Falcon's friend, and would be at my house with Andy and Falcon and their other friend, Puck. Puck is not his name, but I call him that, and it's a nickname that sticks. He looks like the character from Gargoyles when I was little. Little boy with long platinum blonde hair and elf-like features. He likes the nickname, his parents get the joke, but he is a timid, effeminate little boy. So, a little backstory on why I'm bringing this all up. Puck, Dennis, Andy, and Falcon were over my house a lot. Puck would come by all the time to get otter pops or fruit snacks or muffins randomly, even when Andy wasn't around. He's a good kid, they play with him all the time. Then, one day, he stopped coming over when Andy and Falcon were over, but he would still stop by randomly. So I'd noticed Dennis being a brat to Puck, and I had a couple of times stopped Andy and Falcon from being mean or saying mean things to the kid. They never mistreated this kid before Dennis started hanging out with them. Turns out, Karen, Dennis's mum, is like a hardcore Baptist-style Christian and thinks that little Puck is gay and therefore didn't want Dennis hanging around him. She even came to my house and talked to me, saying she didn't want Puck there when Dennis was there. When I kindly told her to go Puck herself, you don't dictate what happens in my home, she hit me up with the you're not even the kid's father kind of rubbish. Now, Falcon's dad was still alive at this point, so I asked him to go tell her to go Puck herself. Sissy didn't like her anyway. Well, I came to find out from Puck's mother that Dennis had told Puck he couldn't play with them at my house anymore and that Dennis had beat up Puck. I went to talk to Dennis about this later when he was at my house, and he said that his mum had told him it was okay because Dennis was a, insert horrible slur here, and he was going to hell. These kids aren't even 11 yet, my God. So I went to confront Karen, who was a real dog about it, like terrible, and I ended up saying that Dennis could not come back to my house. Also, I talked to Falcon and Andy about what Dennis did, has been saying, and I also talked to their parents. End results, neither Clarissa or Sissy wanted their kids to be around Dennis. Sissy didn't like Dennis because of all the trouble he caused in her house, and this was just the final straw. So, fast forward. Right, so we're back at the bus stop now. Karen is giving me the stink eye, and I'm just ignoring her. The bus comes, Andy and Falcon get off, and they come to my car. All the kids are actually fascinated by it. Now, usually I hardly let the kids ride in it instead of my truck because, well, I worked all summer long back in 2006 to get these fancy seats and stuff. 
I usually don't even like to have little kids in it, but I'm cruising and we're gonna go to Rita's today, Italian Ice. A bunch of the neighborhood kids come up and they're talking and asking about my car. I'm letting them see the inside, though I'm wiping hands or whatever. I got a little thing on the front like Knight Rider. Yes, I'm a nerd, but it's cool. More buses come and we're waiting for Beth's bus. She goes to a different school. And eventually, Dennis gets off his bus. He sees Andy and Falcon. He sees the car. He sees me and he comes over. Now, I could be a butthole here and tell the kid to get lost, but I'm not particularly venomous about the kid. He comes up and his mother comes over quickly. He asks me if he can see the car. He's always been into it. I look at Andy and Falcon, who are like not sure what to do, and I'm like, sure, Dennis. Take a mask, wipe your hands. I've got a box of masks and gloves and hand wipes and stuff. Now, half of that was in the car before COVID. But you know, little kids can't be vaccinated and they got grubby little Cheeto hands. Now, Dennis's mum does not like this. I hear her screech. What's going on? What are you telling him? Now, he's actually cool about it. He says, it's okay, mum. He just asked me to wipe my hands and wear a mask. He's gonna let me sit in the front. Then she gets involved with the, why does he have to wear a mask? The other kids aren't wearing a mask stuff. I tell her the ones who jumped in my car got a mask and had to wipe their hands. She then goes off about COVID and blah, blah, but then takes a turn when she says something in her tirade about me luring kids to you with your car, which I had to stop and stare at her for. Now, Andy, my nephew, has been in the car many times. He knows that if you lift the thing in the back seat, there's a cooler down there, so he goes for the snacks. He always does, while this crazy lady is yelling at me. After a moment of craziness and the boys munching on chips, Beth shows up. I'm so happy. I close my doors, lock them, and go and get her. I come back, and Karen is still at my car, waiting to fuss at me. Dennis is waiting to get in. I tell him, look, maybe next time, because I just want to leave at this point. He asks if he can have a snack, and I look at his mum, and she goes, What? You're not even going to offer him a snack? You gave the other kids snacks? Now, technically, Andy was the one who gave Falcon snacks from my car. And if he didn't give Dennis one, well, that was intentional. I know Andy, and he's a little stinker in the making. But I'm like, sure, fine. What do you want? We got chips and juice and some mini Snickers. All stuff I can't eat anymore due to my diet, but I keep in my car and I keep my shelves stocked. Gotta use that Costco card for something. Dennis does not want a snack now. He wants to get into the car. I think he thinks it's either or, like he can't do both. His mum snarls and tells him to get a snack. Then Beth asks if we're going to Rita's. And I say, yeah, we'll go to Rita's. And she says she hopes they have the birthday cake. Now Dennis goes, ooh, birthday cake. Can I come? Now at this point, I really don't know what to say. Like, hey, you mini hate crammed a kid. So Sissy and Clarissa don't want you around their kids. And I don't particularly like you, which would be the truth. But instead, I immediately get slick at the mouth and say, I don't think that's a good idea. I wouldn't want to lure you in with my car and the promise of treats, looking directly at his mum, who then lays into me for not offering to take the kid, not five minutes after she said that exact same thing earlier. She then starts talking loudly and gets the other parents involved. But this is my neighborhood, and most of these people know me, Andy, and Falcon, and Dennis has been a little idiot forever and people are tired of karen so thankfully the most unlikely person in the world spoke up 
It was an old Asian lady who was so sweet. I didn't even think that she spoke English or at least spoke it well, but she told Karen to shut up and take her horrible kid home. And I heard that clear enough. Folks began laughing. Karen scowled at me and I told Dennis he can sit in the front seat before he left if his mum agreed. Now, of course she didn't, called me a butthole and she just dragged her kid off. After that, we went to Rita's and all was good. But I heard the kids talking about Dennis's crazy mum the whole time. I tried to stir the conversation away, talking about their first day back at school and all that, but nope, they wanted to talk about Dennis and his crazy mum. So yeah, that's my experience with an entitled mum. The problem is, this is probably going to be a thing since we're picking up the kids at around the same time. Though the rest of the week, she only glared at me from her punk car, and Dennis has arrived before Andy and Falcon since, so it's not been a huge deal. But I'm sure that that woman is a ticking time bomb. Oh my god, mate, that is just the worst. So you've had this big falling out, you know, this big confrontation. Clearly, you two are not liking each other. And you know that you're going to have to see this woman probably, what, for the rest of the school year, maybe multiple school years, every weekday, every school day, at the same time, every day. God. That is horrible, but at least you put her in a place, so well done. As for Dennis, I completely get what you're saying, because you know earlier in the story, Opie said that he doesn't really have a problem with Dennis, despite the fact that Dennis is the one who was, you know, saying all these horrible things. But it's clear that he is learning and getting this stuff, this horrible, abusive mentality and language from his entitled mum. So as Opie does, I completely blame the mother, as I do with all these stories, you know. Dennis is 11. Like, guys, how bad can an 11-year-old really be? You know, they're just, they're listening to what their parents are saying taking loads of information in from them and they're gonna base their opinions and what they say off of their parents obviously like any normal kid so i don't really blame him and i completely blame the mum. let me know if you you know agree with that or do you put some blame on dennis i don't he's 11 my sister doesn't allow our mum to cough i am a 22 year old woman and i live with my mum, who is 45 and twin sisters who are 20. last week we caught the flu it was really awful especially for mum, because she had a high fever and a very stuffed nose i'm currently in a similar position so my sister emily came back from school really annoyed today and she yelled at us for different reasons when my mum told her to watch her mouth and then broke into a coughing fit immediately after emily got extremely mad and started screaming at her to hold it in as it's disgusting and it's forbidden to walk around the house spreading germs Mum also got angry and told her that it's her house so she can do whatever she wants and if she doesn't like it she's more than welcome to get a job and move out yeah no words for this one your own daughter not allowing you to cough when you're sick in your own home it's just insane if she's not gonna move out force her out sack her off let's move on now for our second story of today's episode i ruined thanksgiving last year and i'm still not sorry this story begins a number of years ago with a particular dessert pastry my mother used to make pudding pie i didn't know why this pie was so much better than regular pudding but it was delicious and i'd actually look forward to that pie before thanksgiving that's how good the pie was sadly like all good things this pastry too came to an end One year, my mother decided that the pie was too fattening for her diet and she swapped some ingredients around. She swore up and down it would taste no different. Spoiler alert, it tasted like nightmares feel. Immediate and extended family protested and requested the diet abomination be banished and the delicious pie brought back. Those pleas fell on deaf ears. Eventually, mum had enough 
and said she wasn't stopping anyone else from making the pie, but she wasn't doing it anymore. I assume she figured that nobody else would have the gumption to actually seek out the recipe and make it. She thought wrong. In the very wee hours of Thanksgiving morning last year, I took up that gauntlet and prepared my pie in secret. I procrastinated until the literal last minute. I forgot the pie needs some time to set before it can be eaten. I even managed to control myself and not just start eating the filling. I did have one small taste to make sure I didn't forget an important ingredient though. So I showed up for Thanksgiving lunch at my aunt's house with my pie and there was much rejoicing. Real sugar, actual tasty ingredients. I inhaled my meal in the interest of getting to pie sooner and may or may not have overdone it a bit. I needed some time on my feet to make room for a slice of my pie. So I stepped outside to vape and chat with the smokers. I got numerous compliments on not screwing up instant pudding in a pie tin. The actual pie was more complicated than that, but I just took the ribbing. I make it inside and beeline for the dessert table. There's my mother standing near her imposter pie, which was missing a single piece, looking like she's sucking a lemon. Whether that was from the taste of her evil pie or the fact that mine was so popular is anyone's guess. I'm certainly not brave enough to ask. But there's not even a sign of my pie. I see apple pie, pumpkin pie, toll house pie, but no pudding pie. Not even the pie tin. It couldn't be so delicious that people actually ate the tin in the 10 minutes I was outside. So I address the room, asking where my pie is. Several people look at one of the couches and then away. What I saw made my blood boil. My sister is sitting on my aunt's new couch, the entire pie tin on her lap, massive spoon in one hand, a can of whipped cream in the other, and she is going to town on my pie, which had been a little over half eaten by people who weren't complete savages before it fell in with bad company. I recall saying, really sis her head pops up and she looks at me like a deer in headlights this woman who is in her 30s mind you has chocolate pudding and whipped cream smeared all over her face she compounds the image of a toddler by speaking with her mouthful as she tries to justify herself what Mum said someone needed to take the pie away before she caved reason and consideration left me i spent hours on that pie and i didn't even get to eat a single piece I won't claim what I did next was okay. All I will say is I've yet to regret doing what I did and I honestly can't think of any other way I could have responded. I don't think I'm the hero of this tale. All I can say is I'm not the only villain. I snorted like a little piggy. Twice. I'm not sure when the rest of the room quietened down and watched our little showdown. All I can say is it was silent when I oinked and everyone heard it. It took a little while for what happened to actually percolate into her brain But once my sister realized she just stood up Sending the pie onto the floor with the pudding part face down And flung what was in her hands away so she could cover her face and start sobbing She sprinted to the bathroom and slammed the door shut Then all heck broke loose and my extended family went to war with each other A small but vocal section of the family started berating me for doing that to my sister Neither of us are pixies and the larger portion arguing with the smaller because who just grabs an entire pie and eats it like that? I just grabbed some napkins and did the best I could to get most of my pie out of my aunt's brand new carpets She'd hosted thanksgiving that year because her house had been completely remodeled with fresh paint on the walls and a brand spanking new interior I gave my aunt a hug and apologized for the mess before I left with an otherwise irish goodbye She didn't say anything then 
but i've spoken with my aunt since and she said she doesn't blame me My parents actually paid for the carpet to get steam cleaned because there was pudding everywhere and it was a light colored carpet Why my parents paid and not my sister who works a full-time job and is otherwise allegedly a fully functional adult Well, that's an excellent question. So that's the story of how I ruined thanksgiving last year I hope you won't judge me too harshly. You know what? I can't even work out who's worse in this story your mum or your sister Or maybe they're just both as bad as each other. Seriously, they're both terrible Like to be honest. Yeah, I do get if your mum wouldn't want to eat the pie herself Maybe she's on some sort of diet then it's not the most healthy thing completely fine But still it brings so much joy to so many people Why not just make it anyway and then just don't eat a slice yourself? That would make more sense to me given that so many people absolutely love it and it's the highlight of their thanksgiving But hey fair enough then your sister eating half the pie herself when she knows how much everyone else loves it not even allowing you op to eat some of your own pie that again is just awful and to be honest doing the pig snorting noises i back it i think that was completely justified can you imagine her just like chilling on the sofa just digging in with a with a trotters well, a bit harsh but anyway yeah i can i also love how your sister tries to justify it as in her mum saying to her take the pie away from me or i'm gonna have some myself because it is so nice and she just eats half of it herself instead incredible let's move on and now for our third story uncontrolled kid in the waiting room i take my daughter to speech therapy and i have to wait in the waiting room during her appointment because my other daughter helen and three-month-old baby can't join her because of covid rules no big deal helen is pretty active but well behaved there are other parents and kids who come through the waiting room while my older daughter has her appointments now i've been having a problem with a mother and daughter who come in after us and leave before us The first time we encountered them, we were sitting on a couch and the little girl, who was probably around four or five, sat right next to us. There were plenty of other places to sit and I tried to ignore her. Her mum made a half-hearted attempt to remove her, but gave up when the little girl didn't want to move. Now she doesn't wear a mask and then she proceeded to sneeze on my nursing pillow and her mum removed her. The second time, she sat on the couch with us another week and I tried to coax her to gently move without any luck. A few more times later, I told her that normally we like making friends, but we want to keep germs to ourselves. No dice. Usually, she only leaves when she has to go into her appointments. I talked to my friend, who's a special needs kindergarten teacher, about what to do in this situation. I don't want to be mean, and I don't know what limitations the little girl has in terms of comprehension. I'm not trying to demonize a little girl who has special needs, but her mum really needs to get a hold of her. My friend told me to be firm but friendly and tell her we want to avoid spreading germs. The last time was insane. I'd given up sitting on the couch in the waiting room in favor of chairs, so there was less room. However, the little girl sat right in the chair with Helen and took me by surprise. I said, no thank you, and her mum got her off. Then she went right for me, trying to lift my nursing cover off of me while I was breastfeeding. I told her no, and her mum said, well, she just wants to see the baby. I replied, uh, he's eating right now. Then the mum moved her daughter away from us. I saw the little girl slide onto the floor out of the corner of my eye. And when her mum left her for a split second, the girl came right over and again lifted my cover off. I barked, absolutely not, and her mum pulled her off of me. The little girl was called in for speech and that was the end of it. I'm at a loss about what to do. The mum knows what's going on and doesn't care unless I'm very vocal. 
What do you all think? I mean, this is actually a pretty horrible position to be in if you think about it, especially given the pandemic that's been going on for quite a long time now. Oh, I don't like anything about this story. Again, as I often say, I don't really blame the little girl. She's only four or five. She doesn't really know too much. She probably doesn't have that much common sense. The mum, though, what are you doing? If you can't control your child and you get angry because... This mum isn't letting your child see her baby. It's ridiculous, especially when breastfeeding. But also, come on, it's COVID, man. Ridiculous. I don't really know what advice I can give to the mum other than you kind of have to take it up with the staff at this therapy place, wherever you are, and say to them how uncomfortable this mum is making you feel. And hopefully they can do something about it. I don't really know what they do. Maybe just say, look, if you can't keep to the current rules about social distancing, then you're not allowed to come here anymore. It's ridiculous. It really is. I don't know what more this mum individually can do other than say, go away. Guys, get in the comments if you don't mind. Drop some advice below for OP. What would you do in this situation? I'd probably just have to complain and say, look, this is ridiculous. I feel very uncomfortable and pretty unsafe being in the same waiting room as this mum and her daughter. Sort them out, please. Entitled sister demands I take her children to Disney with me and my girlfriend, despite knowing it's a secret proposal trip. I am a 31 year old woman and my girlfriend and I are planning a trip to Disneyland Paris. Not for any time soon with the pandemic, but we're still planning. It's not as big as, say, Florida, but it's closer to us, and it's also both our first time going. And as my girlfriend is obsessed with Disney, it's where I'm planning to propose to her to make it more special. My sister knows I'm proposing, as she helped me pick out the ring, and she was very supportive until she found out where I was planning to propose. She doesn't approve of it, as we're not kids, and has stated that as we're not children, it's weird, and how if I wanted to go there, I should take her kids, who are 10 and 6. Now, I love my niece and nephew, but this is a special trip for me and my girlfriend. I explained this to my sister, and I thought she understood. The next time I was overseeing her kids, they were upset as she had told them about the Disney trip and they couldn't understand why I wouldn't take them. I tried to console them, but I felt very put on the spot and upset by this. I ended up leaving not long after and my sister keeps badgering me to take the kids now as they're so upset. The worst part is my girlfriend has now started to feel guilty and is wondering if we should just take the kids with us. Oh, what a start to the episode. Imagine purposefully ruining your sister's proposal. That is horrible. I mean, that in isolation is bad enough, but then on top of that, manipulating your sister and her girlfriend who has no idea what is planned into taking your kids with them on holiday. Oh, horrible person. Let's move on. Now for our second story, my mother cares more about money. I got a snake just over a year ago and I love him dearly. He is adorable. Recently, he's been quite sick. So we, my dad and I, took him to the vets. It turns out that he has a life-threatening infection that doesn't have a treatment that's guaranteed to work. Now, this was not due to my husbandry, but he did have it when we got him. It only showed now. We came back home and my mother walks into my room and asks about the visit. I tell her everything, including the infection. She isn't that close to the snake as it's mine, but as soon as I finish, she keeps hounding me about how much the visit costs. This went on for some time. I told her I don't know how much it costs because my dad paid for it, so she went to him. She found out and came back up and started getting mad that it cost that much. I just found out my snake has a high chance of dying. 
she's been snappy with me and has made jokes and comments about it too I just needed to get this off my chest. It's driving me insane Now if you've been around on my channel for a while now, you'll know that I have a snake myself marty a little corn snake I'll chuck him up on screen right now. This is actually from a year ago. Uh, I do look quite different marty looks the same I'll be honest. I look a little bit different. But anyway, um, yeah if he had an illness. And by the way, he has had some issues, you know, with his eyes, for example, throughout the years. He's quite old now. We would definitely take him to the vet and we definitely pay the money to sort him out. And nobody would complain about spending too much on your pet. It's so weird. I mean, look, anyone with a pet, you guys watching right now, I assume a lot of you have pets. You know just how much they can mean to you. And if there's an issue with them, you're going to go and sort it. Honestly, even if it's really expensive, you're going to do it. It just makes sense. It's human, right? So to have this sort of reaction to spending too much money on your pet is really strange. And now moving on to our third story of today's episode. This one, I'm not going to lie, it's pretty epic. Entitled mum tried to walk off with my mum's Christmas gifts injured me and then claimed I stole her items I honestly can't believe that this just happened, but here we go I was online shopping this morning when I saw these gorgeous outdoor Christmas lights at really great prices at a local store My mother loves Christmas, but she's never had the money or time to put any lights up But she longed to have some I decided that as an early christmas present I would get her some that she could be proud of I purchased some great deals online like some light up reindeer her favorites some colorful string lights with the colors red green white blue and purple a snowflake shaped light and some light up candy canes for her candy cane lane I ordered them paid with my credit card and was actually able to pick them up in store same day all for less than a hundred dollars a total steal when i get there i see there's a long line at customer services so i decided to browse for a bit i ended up getting a super great deal on a pair of dripping ice cool lights the buy one get one free deal i then added a strand of light up garland so she could decorate inside with more than just the tree i know it's a lot but i made good money from doing remote lab work at my university and since i had more than enough saved up for tuition i decided to spoil my family after such a rotten year what i got for my siblings dad and grandparents are not related to this event so i go pay and sure enough the line at customer service is a lot shorter I get in line, wait maybe 20 minutes, and when I'm at the counter, I presented my email proving proof of purchase, but it takes a bit for her to scan the QR code, as the device is apparently not reading it. I got no problem with that, because hey, things happen, when suddenly my own cart is slammed into my side. See, what I did was put myself between my cart and the exit. I've read one too many horror stories of people just running off with others' purchases, and I wanted to play it safe. And it kind of worked except for the fact that i'm now in a lot of pain because my own cart was rammed right into my hip bone and knee Knocking me over to the floor and nearly making me whack my head And the crazy lady who did that then tried to push my own cart over me all while screaming I kid you not you stupid little thief This lady was literally trying to sell the I stole her cards. Needless to say, I'm super annoyed and super in pain. Security is called. I'm screaming at the lady to stop lying and give me back my cards. And then I ended up detained. Why? Sadly, she was black and I was Caucasian in a time of all this racism craziness. Now, before you start on the whole you're racist stuff, I'm not. I couldn't care less if that lady was an alien or had purple skin or was the Queen of England herself. I treat others how they treat me 
and she was stealing my gifts from my mother and claiming that I was the thief. Angry, I then twisted out of the security guy's hold, ripped the receipt out of my pocket, and shoved it in his face. I have the receipt, you idiots. He's startled, steps back, and stares at the receipt. And I snap at him that he needs to get a pair of glasses because, skin color or not, I've got the receipt. That female dog doesn't now call me a dang ambulance because I can't take the bus home from how in pain my body was from being rammed by my own cars. An older security guard, a manager, and the head honcho supervisor came over, and the older guard started berating the younger guy for jumping to conclusions. Again, apparently. The manager checks my receipt, and sure enough, it's all mine. And the crazy lady, of course, has no receipts. But then, of course, the lady starts wailing about how I must have stolen my receipts, only to have it pointed out that I'd used my points card for that store, which was on the receipt, and they could match that to my ID. They also obviously had CCTV of me with all my items, buying them, and then her coming along, grabbing them, and ramming me with my own cards. I then have to sit there on a bench with all my items, The customer service girl who struggled to get the QR code to scan returned my phone to me. I dropped it on the counter when I was hit. And I started placing my items I had bought online into the cart, which had now been returned to me, while the crazy lady was detained. Police and EMTs arrive not long after. The store actually wasn't that far from a hospital or the police station. And after the EMTs loaded me onto a stretcher, my ankle was badly twisted from being knocked over, and of course I wanted to go to the hospital to be safe, I give my statement, press charges, before turning to the supervisor as he comes over. He's very apologetic and asked if I want anything from the store for free as compensation for this disaster. I told him that all I wanted was for A, the idiot security guard to either be rigorously retrained in thinking for once or be fired, B, that I wanted them to hold onto my purchases until I could come back to pick them up, and C, that that crazy lady who was now screaming, you'll hear from my son, he's a lawyer, which is how I know she's an entitled mum, be perma-banned from their entire chain, because who knows if she's gotten away with it before or would do it again. The super agreed that it was more than fair. The security guy who detained me improperly looked horrified. And apparently the crazy lady heard that and went deathly pale before she fainted right then and there. I'm now sitting in a hospital bed, my ankle in a cast, the bones cracked, my left hip and knee in pain, my right elbow bruised, and having to call my grandparents to pick me up because my family only has two cars and my sister and dad are both at work, hence why I took the bus. I'm so angry, it's not even funny. And typing this out on my phone, I don't care about spelling errors. What happened to me isn't right, no matter the skin color, and I'm going to be pressing charges. And I'm in Canada, so I can't make her pay my medical bills as it's covered by the provincial plan. Uh, yeah, OP, you definitely want to be pressing charges on this one. Uh, that's assault right there, ladies and gents. Plain and simple. Get some compensation. Surely, though, this store should have given you all your stuff that you'd bought online for free, right? As in, that was, like, the, the, the least they could do. Like, you know, at the end, when the manager says, do you want anything for compensation, why doesn't he just give you all the stuff that you bought online and the stuff you have in store for free? That's, like, an easy thing to do. Didn't do it. You didn't really demand it. Fair enough. I mean, I don't blame you for not demanding it. You had to go to hospital. He surely should have just given it to you straight away, though, right? 
right? As for the woman, this sort of thing, I, I don't think it would ever happen in the UK. Someone buying stuff at a store and then someone else in line immediately picking up and running with it. I've never heard of that happening. Like even when you were saying about you having to position your shopping cart between you and the exit, that is never something I would even consider doing. I don't think anyone does that in the UK. It's weird. Guys, in America, you watching right now, do you do that? Or is that just something that OP does and has said it's normal? It's interesting. Never heard of it before. Let me know. Sorry, by America, I mean America and Canada. Completely forgot this story happens in Canada. So yes, Americans, Canadians, let me know. Is this a Northern American thing or is this just a thing that everyone does and I don't do? Educate me, please. Karen rages when I snatch her phone after she was filming a dying woman. A few years ago, I was on a flight from London to Sydney when an older woman, maybe 70, suddenly collapsed in the aisle. The flight attendants rush over to her and check her pulse and determine she doesn't have one and commence CPR. People are standing up to see what's happening and a few people start to film. At this point, the flight crew have brought out a defibrillator and have had to remove the dying woman's shirt to use it on her. Myself and a few other people tried to stand around them to block the view and give the poor woman some dignity in this horrible moment. The flight crew are naturally panicking, but remaining professional. One flight attendant is asking people to stop filming, but they don't. The closest person to me was Karen, and she had her phone moving at all angles to try and get some footage of the poor woman on the floor. I snatched her phone out of her hands and called her a disrespectful idiot, and she instantly started screeching that I'd stolen her phone. The flight attendants weren't paying attention to what she was saying as they clearly had more important things to focus on. She then grabbed a flight attendant who was assisting with first aid by the arm and told them I'd stolen her phone. I didn't want to cause more drama for the poor flight attendant who was so flustered, so I threw her phone down on her seats. The lady collapsed shortly before we landed. So once we'd landed, we all had to wait on the plane while ambulance crew boarded and commended CPR and eventually took her off the flight. While we were waiting, Karen said, Can we get off the plane? I want to go home. I've had a long flight and I'm tired. Luckily for me, someone else was sick of her BS because they told her to shove her complaints up her butts. I wish I'd thrown her phone out of the plane if I could have. I mean, genuinely, is that where we are right now in society where when someone is having a heart attack and dying in front of you, you take your phone out and start filming them i don't even get it. like what are you gonna do with that footage are you gonna like put it on facebook or something try and get views with it on youtube like what are you gonna do with that it's just such a strange decision <laughs> i don't get that at all i've got to say though op well done for calling her out it's a shame that it sounds like nobody else there really backed you up it was kind of just you weird i would have thought that everyone there who wasn't directly helping or covering her would have said to this woman what the f are you doing you crazy b put your phone away and f off now moving on to our next entitled people story brother who worked in fast food kept putting mustard on my burgers till i told his manager this happened roughly seven years ago my brother got his first job at 18 and it was at a local fast food restaurant in my previous post i talked about how much i don't like mustard but my family loves it well when my brother got that job there were a few times i ate there while he was on shift he was new so they had him either cleaning or assembling the burgers at that time. I tell the clerk that was taking my order that I wanted no mustard on my burger. But when I got the burger, there was mustard. I took it back and they remade it without the mustard. But the next time I ate there, I got mustard again, despite asking them not to put it on. And I got the burger remade again. 
It took the third time for this to happen before I realized my brother was doing it on purpose The third burger had like more than twice the required amount of mustard on it And when I showed it to the manager I quietly told him about my family's crazy love for mustard and how they tried to make me eat it for so long And never understood that I don't like it The manager thought it was weird But said he'd keep a closer eye on my brother and got my burger remade again Well, the next time I came in while my brother was there The manager took a moment to watch him assembling the burgers and caught him not only putting mustard on my burger again But using way too much just like the last time with a big evil grin on his face I heard the manager yell out his name and my brother jumped and fumbled the mustard squirter then dropped it Which got yellow mustard on the manager and all over the floor The manager had him clean up the mess while another employee remade my burger without mustard and then wrote my brother up for maliciously tampering with my food. And he was made to clean the bathrooms and anything else the manager felt like needed extra cleaning that day. After that, I never got mustard on my burger there again while my brother was working there. The evening that all went down, my brother complained to my parents that I'd gotten him in trouble over a little joke when he got home from work. My dad initially sided with my brother without hearing my side But I pointed out that all I did was want my order that I paid for the way I'd ordered it And he was intentionally sabotaging it just because I was there Which last I checked was not part of his job And it was the manager who caught him sabotaging my food as he was making it Then I described the scene that went down in detail, which my brother had conveniently glossed over in his version of events. He had no leg to stand on, so he called me a jerk and acted like he was going to slug me, but my mum diffused the situation and said I was right. And if my brother wanted to keep a job, he shouldn't be pulling stupid pranks while at work. My dad had pretty much nothing more to say on the matter. He loves mustard, but he also wouldn't do something like that and risk his job. My brother lasted only six months working at that restaurant before he quits and went to work elsewhere. He was on thin ice with two write-ups and decided to put in his notice before they fired him. He never got a job in fast food again, and the manager at the restaurant told me he was not missed. So does your brother just hate you then? Is that what's going on here? I can't really work out. Like, yeah, maybe you'd do that prank once. I agree, though. It is risky to do that when you're at work. But yeah, do it once, and maybe it's funny, I guess, a little bit. But then when you're doing it twice, three times, and every other time ever, what are you gaining from that? It's weird. Again, I just don't really get it. Like a video the other day, a weird prank, if you can call it that, I just don't really understand. He's actually extremely lucky that he didn't just get flat out fired there, because genuinely, if you take this as just face value, an employee at a restaurant is literally going against what a customer has ordered on purpose multiple times like yeah i'm sure your brother knew this but what if you were allergic to mustard i I don't know maybe you can be allergic to mustard you said no mustard he whacks loads on there and you die what happens then and yeah you could argue that's a bit of an extreme hypothesis but stranger things have happened in life let me tell you that and now moving on to our final story of today's episode you got hired so you have to put a good word in and make sure i get hired too This happened in 2016. My older sister and I were both unemployed. So we both went to this youth center that helps youth or homeless find employment. I just turned 19 and never had a job. She was 22 and worked a few jobs, but could never keep a stable one. Always late, calling out too much, no show, etc. We sign up at the center. I get a call back a couple of days later for orientation. And my sister never got a call back. I'm not sure if it was from her previous employment, her age, I don't know. After orientation, they gave me a paid training for one week. Once that was done, it was time to call one of the establishments listed on the available places. 
I start my first day then finish my first week and my last week I had to complete a total of a hundred hours and got paid through the city Ten dollars per hour at the time. Well, apparently the place I worked really loved me The staff managers even corporate who worked in the back office They offered me a position halfway through my second week working through the city and I happily accepted I'm about a month into working at this place on their payroll still new barely running a register My sister still hasn't found a job yet So she texts me while i'm at work to put a good word in for me Tell your boss to hire me. I'll be right there to fill out an app I tell her I wasn't going to given her track record with the job she's had That's when she says you got hired after we both signed up for the same thing You're supposed to help me out Now at the time my parents gave us both an ultimatum to find jobs Otherwise we get the boots. I found one my sister didn't but she was never kicked out I quit schooling because I thought I was going to get kicked out to find a job So I wasn't gonna risk freaking up my chance at this place by putting a good word in for someone who will half show up After those series of texts, I got so upset at the audacity and entitlement She really thought it was my responsibility for her employment Delusional it still gets me mad thinking about it. Okay, so fast forward to christmas that same year And my sister again sends me text after text saying you have to get us gifts this year You have to go all out. That's what you do when you have your first job Like what? I didn't respond and that christmas I got her a 50 dollar visa card and a bottle of lotion Yeah, no, you weren't hired because you're not good enough for the job your sister putting in a good word for you whatever isn't going to help at all like if you're entitled and lazy you're not going to get the job anyway it doesn't matter who you know nepotism can only take you so far if you're just bad at the job then it really doesn't matter sorry you know it's actually quite sad op and it's not entirely relevant to the story or commentary now but the fact that you had to quit school to find a job so you could stay in your house that's a bit messed up especially given the fact that your sister didn't quit school it sounds like and didn't get a job and then just stayed in the house anyway and then just tried to use you to get a job down the line like what is that why are your parents not prioritizing your education that is very very strange um yeah i'm not gonna lie your family are odd miss know-it-all received a lesson in humility this happened 25 years ago all names have been changed because i don't remember them my part proved to be minor but it's still important my sister-in-law called me because she knew i possess math skills Her son's fourth grade teacher had a bonus question on a test and her son, who normally gets 100% on all tests, failed this question. When she'd asked the teacher about it, Miss Know-It-All sniped, you wouldn't understand because you're not a teacher. My sister-in-law described her to be fresh out of college teaching her first year. So she asked me about the question. There are four red balls, three blue balls and two white balls in a bag. You pull one out, what color is it? Well, this question is a classic probability scenario that involves a lot of logic and math. For instance, there's a 4 out of 9 chance it will be red, 3 out of 9 blue, and 2 out of 9 whites. Well, the teacher said it's red because it has the highest percentage. Well, actually, no, the highest percentage is it not being white at 7 out of 9. I could hear her scratching her head metaphorically as she absorbed this new revelation. So you can't say it's any color? Correct. You can only give the probability of it being any color. I mean, yeah, that is absolutely right. You can't say, yes, the ball that I pull out is going to be red. Just because it has the highest chance of it being red doesn't mean it is going to be red. Yes, the probability of getting a red ball is higher than the probability of getting any other color ball. But to say that it will be red, that's just incorrect. 
So anyway, armed with this knowledge, she talked with Miss Know-It-All a second time. She reported that the superior teacher told her in her smug way, I am the teacher and you don't know what you're talking about. Not satisfied, my sister-in-law and a few other parents took it to the principal. There was a meeting scheduled between the parents and the teacher. Again, Miss Know-It-All explained why she was correct because she was the teacher. One father pointed out his engineering background and the math required for his degree. He told the group the same as I explained earlier. I'm a teacher and you don't know anything about teaching, proclaimed the indignant Miss Know-It-All. With this, another father spoke up. My name is Professor Maxwell of the local state university. I'm head of the mathematics department of the school. I've got 20 years of teaching experience. There is never a reason to teach bad math at any level. Please note, I recognize his name when my sister-in-law mentioned it because I had several classes with him. He was a very cool teacher and passionate about math. Miss Know-It-All slunk back into her chair and her face went pale when the principal determined that it was bad math and gave credit to all the fourth graders. He instructed Miss Know-It-All to stick to the textbook in the future regarding maths questions. The principal explained this to her in front of the parents. Wow. There was a certain glee in my sister-in-law's voice when telling me about the final meeting. Yeah, I mean, you're just wrong, teacher. You're just wrong. Plain and simple. I don't really understand how you've come to that conclusion. It's not even tough maths. You just cannot say that it's gonna 100% be a certain ball color when you don't know that. It's probability, yeah, sure. But you have to give the answer as a probability and not as an absolute because how could you possibly know? It's ridiculous, clearly. It's not even that hard math. It's very, very simple. It's fourth grade. Ridiculous. To be honest, I'm actually very worried. The fact that she's getting that so clearly wrong and still maintains that she was right the whole time and that other people wouldn't understand because they're not teachers. Get her fired immediately because that is just awful. How is she even a teacher in the first place? That's just basic, basic maths that all of you will know. Very, very strange. Get her out of there. Now moving on to our next post. Sorry, kids. Your mummy is a liar. On the maternal side of my family... I have a cousin who is an entitled parent. Now, admittedly, I don't see her very often because her parents got divorced when she was a kid and her mum always got her for the holidays. So she didn't really feel connected to our family, which is fine and valid, but she lied to us a lot when she was an adult that she would come and never did. And it kind of killed everyone inside a bit, especially my grandmother. But every time I do see her now, it's a bit of a nightmare. The last time I saw her was in 2019 at our grandfather's memorial where she showed up three hours late in casual clothes. It was a semi-formal event that were covered in stains and dog fur. And the first thing she did was approach our newly widowed grandmother and ask her for money. So yeah, she's not a great person, but since her mum is raising her kids, they're actually super sweet. Anyway, during 2021, my paternal grandfather passed due to COVID complications. And when he first got sick, he and my grandmother decided to give myself, siblings, and cousins our inheritance because they didn't want it to get lost between fighting if it were to be sorted out after they passed. My aunt, my dad's sister, is also an entitled parent, but this ain't about her for once. So we were each given 50,000 Canadian dollars. My brothers and I immediately put the money into tax-free savings accounts and savings accounts because there's only so much money that you're legally allowed to put into tax-free ones. Very sensible. Now, one thing about the money, we told no one. Only our immediate paternal family knew and we weren't going to tell anyone else because people get weird about money. My maternal side of the family has been fixing up our old family cottage and one of my brothers is in the trades and doing well for himself. 
So he decided to buy a used boat off Kijiji with the inheritance money from his savings and then quickly replaced it. Our maternal side was told about that and shown the boat and we just told them he got the money from the trades. Well, my paternal grandmother let it slip about the inheritance to my maternal grandmother who accidentally mentioned it to one of my poorer uncles. He makes poor financial decisions and he told the rest of the family. He pouted a bit, but overall, no one asked us for money and understood why we didn't tell them. Since we're not getting together for Christmas this year, we were having a video call to chat and wish happy holidays before we all got busy. And my maternal cousin was there, much to everyone's surprise. Not even five minutes into the video call, this conversation happens. My maternal cousin says, All right, boys, what do you say to your auntie OP? Thank Thank you for for taking taking us us to to Disney. Disney. Now, I'm shocked by this. I'm not even planning on going anywhere near the US with a 10-foot pole. Um, what are you talking about? I reply. Well, you're paying for us to go to Disney. No, I'm not. Where did you hear that? One of the kids then said, Mummy said that you'd send us to Disney because grandma gave you lots of money. Now, guys, remember that these kids are sweet. It's just their mum that's entitled. My maternal cousin, who had a very smug look on her face and clearly knew what she was doing and that no one, least of all I, had said anything of the sort, said, Yep, and we're so grateful because grandma didn't give us any money. So thank you. I'm 100% done with this idiot and all the pain she's caused my family at this point. Sorry, kids. Your mummy is a liar. I'm not sending anyone to Disney. She lied to you. And the money I got was from my other grandma because my grandpa got sick and died. It's not from this side of the family. I'm sorry that your mummy lied to you. She shouldn't have done that. It was wrong. And she owes you an apology. Everyone on the call was just frozen. And then it erupted. Her kids started yelling at her. Why would you lie? And that was so mean. And my personal favorite, are you lying about other stuff? Probably, kiddos. Probably. She looked so angry and betrayed on camera. And my relatives started chiming in. But there were too many voices. So I said bye and left the call. My mum called me. I live in a different province for uni and said that what I did was uncalled for. But I pointed out that because of her, there was no way for me to leave that conversation without looking like the bad guy because I was absolutely not using my money to give her a free vacation and that my cousin had lied too much to our family and directly caused us all a lot of pain and it was probably for the best that her kids caught on quick. My mum just said that what I did was uncalled for and hung up. But then I started getting texts from other relatives in the call and everyone except for the broke uncle who's always complaining about his poor financial decisions was on my side because she'd hurt them too. My grandma called to thank me because the only reason my maternal cousin comes around anymore is for money and it's very hurtful. My maternal cousin was texting expletives at me until I blocked her. Then I start getting messages from her mother because her kids were getting so unruly from the betrayal that she just ditched the kids with her mum until her mum could get them calmed down. Like, how entitled do you have to be? She demands a free trip and then ditches her kids the moment she has to parents. Now, guys, that is the end of the post, but thankfully, OP has given us a little update. So, onto the update. It isn't major because it hasn't even been 12 hours since the call, but... The broke uncle I mentioned before, who's broke just because of his own poor decision making, he called me privately to try and guilt me into paying for a Disney trip for him and his family. That'll be him, the crazy and entitled conspiracy theorist, 
His wife, who although lovely, comes from a very wealthy family from a different country and goes on six to 12 vacations or cruises a year. His two sons, who are a thousand times more entitled than he is and are hellspawns, and his stepdaughter, who only just got back on the wagon and is only two months sober. I immediately said no. That is my money. I'm using it for what my grandfather intended me to, university and or traveling. I also pointed out that my uncle works in tech and makes at least 300,000 a year. His current contract is 380K if I remember correctly. He and his wife just went to Dubai and that I'm a full-time uni student only doing odd jobs and relying on savings from previous jobs. He, by all logic, should be in a much better financial position than me. And if he isn't, that's really not my fault. He pouted, but I told him that if he ever brought it up again, I'd tell the rest of the family he asked. Everyone's mad at him because he never seems to have money, but has the highest paying job. And he's an anti-vaxxer and an anti-masker, and is the entire reason my maternal family isn't getting together this year. So they'd absolutely chew him out if they found out that he asked me that. And finally, my maternal cousin did pick up her kids from her mum's house, but her mum found out the reason the kids were so upset, ripped her a new one, and made her call me to apologize. Overall, it's been a pretty successful day. I'll tell you what, guys, as far as families go, this one has got to be right up there. I cannot even think of a single word to describe them other than eclectic. Let's just go with that. That seems pretty safe. So many different characters. Like, you could make a TV show. Netflix, get on this. That's all I'm going to say. The drama is unbelievable. Some would argue better than The Crown, because that is a part of dog shit. Again, just imagine how hectic that call was. That pause when, when OP, you'd finish what you were saying. And everyone was just in shock, like, oh my god, have you really just said that? Has that really just happened? Yes. Everyone is kind of like understanding what's just happened and going through it in their own mind. And then a split second later, just an utter catastrophe. Everyone's shouting, kids going crazy, cousins going mental. Brilliant. Again, it had to be there. You know, it actually reminds me of that, um, the parish council meeting. You guys may have seen that. Might insert a clip here. Jackie Weaver. If you've seen it, you know what I'm on about. Read the standing orders. Read them and understand them. I reckon that it's quite similar what happened in this story to what happened on that Zoom call. Just brilliant. Like everyone says that Zoom's bad and people don't like doing FaceTime calling and stuff like that. It's better in real life. Sometimes it makes drama like this. It's all worth it. Entitled woman wants me to sell her a donut. I work nights doing dessert prep at a fancy schmancy deli. Occasionally, we throw fried donuts with crazy toppings on the menu. I like to make test rounds of new flavors for the crew before we launch them. I usually work towards the front of an open concept kitchen and I'm fully visible from the streets. There's a strip of bars and clubs directly across. A few weeks ago, I had just finished some donuts and was arranging them for some Instagram photos. I heard a knock on the window and looked up, assuming I'd see one of my friends who works mortal hours headed home from the bar. Wrong. It was a woman I'd never seen before. Assuming it was one of my co-workers friends, I gave her a polite wave and went back to my iPhone photography She hit the window again more like a bang than a knock last summer I'd been at work overnight when someone broke all of our front windows So this made me jump the woman was gesturing for me to come over to the door We still have a takeout window from COVID, so I unlocked it and slid it up about an inch I'm not a nice person and I just wanted to finish my work. Can I help you? I said. At this moment, I realized she was very drunk. I'd like a donut. Sorry, mom, we're closed. I just came over here to see if I could get you to leave so I can finish my job and leave myself. But they're right there. At this point, I proceed to shut the window 
carry my tray of donuts further into the kitchen and proceed with photos The woman knocks a few times and then leaves after letting out one very high-pitched scream Now here is where the story gets really interesting Less than an hour later, my boss texts me to see if I'm at work The woman had called the police to report that she saw a break-in at the restaurant on her way home from the bar Because I refused to sell her a donut Now look, I'll be completely honest guys up until the end of this story I didn't really mind what the woman was doing. Yeah screaming is annoying. That's unnecessary But the rest of the stuff look i'll be honest I've been there when you're drunk and you've just come out of club and you're desperate for food and you see some And you're not thinking straight and you're intoxicated that can happen and i'm not excusing that behavior I'm, not saying it's a good thing or reasonable at all I'm, just saying i've been there i'll be honest and um, yeah Look, it's not good for employees like op who are working hard and working late and you know trying to do their own thing It's obviously extremely annoying and I feel bad. I'm just saying I can kind of understand Understand it. Like maybe you've been there as well. When you're drunk, you do crazy things. I think OP handled it very well. It didn't seem like it was that much of a nuisance. And, you know, she just sort of sent this drunk lady on her way. The thing that I cannot understand, though, and something that I have never thought about doing or even come close to doing before, is calling the police when drunk to report this. That is inexcusable for the vast majority of the story i could pretty much understand everything this entire woman was doing until that last paragraph that is insane and i really hope she gets written up and charged for wasting police time that's ridiculous now for our next post you want to go through my phone just because i'm going through yours greetings redditors i've just twice survived a journey through the best place to witness aberrant human behavior no it wasn't walmart at 2 a.m It was the airport. The act of going through security and getting on an airplane has a tendency to give me some anxiety. And by some, I mean borderline gibbering madness levels of anxiety. Knowing this, I went to my local adult use dispensary and asked for the good stuff. I think I specifically told the girl, flying makes me anxious and I'd like to be so high I can look down and see the plane at cruising altitude. She gave me a hilariously expensive bottle of THC CBD pills and recommended I take one, wait a half hour, and if I still feel twitchy, take another. Now, naturally, I disregarded her correct advice and ate three while I had my shoes off in the TSA line. I figured that that would be the sweet spot to avoid the high around police paranoia and it would hit me before the plane's safety briefing started. And I wasn't wrong. I recall sitting down in my more expensive and roomy than usual seat in the aircraft and found myself so stoned I was marveling at my own thumbs. The person sitting next to me was a pretty girl in her late teens or early 20s and she found my mental state kind of funny. We started chatting about this and that and it came up in conversation that I have a dog and she simply refused to believe he was as adorable as I said he was. Naturally, I whipped out my phone and brought up pictures and videos of my fur baby. There was much awe to be had, and then I guess she was done with the guided tour and just decided to pick up my phone and start going through my gallery. I didn't react in time to prevent her from grabbing as I was intoxicated, but I did come up with a funny way to fix it. I grabbed her phone from her tray table and started fiddling with it. Now, she didn't notice right away, so I started adding little frustration noises and grumbling about the stupid thing not unlocking. She looked over and flipped right out. What the F do you think you're doing? She starts grabbing at her phone, my phone forgotten in panic. 
I looked at her with bloodshot eyes and that trademark vacant stoner grin and said, well, you started going through my phone. I figured I might as well return the favor. She was briefly gobsmacked, but then resumed flipping her lid about how I would do so much as touch her phone. How very dare I? And then she hits the cool mum button. A flight attendant who appeared to be in her early 40s with that southern drool unique to those rare specimens who can have a come to Jesus talk with you in the same tone of voice she'd used to ask if you'd like some lemonade showed up and asked the girl how she could help. The girl demanded I be arrested on landing for being stoned in Texas and for invading her privacy. The attendant turns to me and asked if what the girl said is true. I said, well, mom, she's half right. I will be stoned in Texas, but I only picked her phone up and poked at it some after she grabbed mine without asking and started actually going through it. The attendant looks back at the girl who suddenly didn't want to make eye contact, then sighed and asked if we both have our own phones now. We both confirmed we did. She said that she won't be calling ahead about anyone, but she absolutely will if she hears about this again. We both indicated we understood and received the sternest of looks from the attendant before she left. The girl spent the rest of the flight giving me the cold shoulder and muttering about creeps and the nerve of some people. I proceeded to pass out like anyone who consumes too much THC and woke up only for snack time, where the nice flight attendant gave me two bags of goldfish and a wink. Well, I really rate the flight attendant here. She was, you know, coming across as professional just to sort of appease this entitled woman. But in reality, she was clearly just on your side and she could probably tell that this woman was, uh, yeah, not very pleasant to be sitting next to anyway. Getting you those snacks? Very good. I've got to say though, about this woman, if you can't take it, then you can't give it. I'm sorry, like you've taken this bloke's phone without permission. How can you be annoyed when he does the same thing to you? That's not right. That's not fair. Ridiculous, really. Um, A little bit of perspective for you, my darling. Let's carry on. And now moving on to our third and final story of today's episode. How dare you not breathe my air? So I live in London where COVID has been a massive issue. Case numbers are through the roof and nobody wears masks or distances. My family and I are forced to use public transport daily to get to and from school as we cannot afford any other transports. Also, my mum can't drive a car and she and my sister cannot physically cycle or walk the six miles to and from the school several times a day. It's hell. To try and stay as safe as possible, we try to use the four seats on the lower deck by the driver or me and my sibling use the bench by the front door. So there's only ever one seat not in use that we're blocking, which should not be an issue given the fact that we're in a giant wave, you would think. Today, a woman got on and from the moment she saw us, she was fuming. Excuse me, she said sarcastically and loudly, pulling down her thin, ill-fitting scarf face covering. When my mum ignored her, she rolled her eyes and tried to engage others in the situation with gestures. Honestly, excuse me, excuse- are you deaf? She went on and on, spitting and huffing until I quietly said- She is deaf though, at which she marched off to sit in another seat that had been empty the whole time. Imagine a person in a priority seat having non-visible disabilities. When on my own, I usually use the front seats in front of the stairs on the upper deck, as this is the best spot to distance when alone and avoid confrontation. Several people have shouted, tried to yank off my headphones, and waved dramatically in my face, attempting to get me to allow them to sit shoulder to shoulder, knee to knee, with their maskless, panting selves. Uh, Yeah, thanks, but no thanks. 
This woman, on another occasion, took the biscuits. She hauled a giant trolley up the stairs and scoured the upper deck. There was a bounty of space downstairs and up before honing in on me. I was leaning on the window with my heavy bag next to me. Move it, now, she demanded, already annoyed that I hadn't automatically made space for her. I simply shook my head, knowing that if you start talking, they get all involved and will never leave. She gasped in genuine shock and repeated, move your bag now. I slid one earphone off and taking a deep breath said, I'm so sorry, but I'm seated here to distance. I just want to be safe and you can't sit here. I really am so sorry. Now, if there were no other seats, I would have gone and stood by the back doors and not bothered as you get plenty of air and space there. But I just had a 10 hour school day and I was shattered. I didn't want to stand for the next 40 minutes just for this woman. She could sit by anybody, but there were no more double seats and I didn't want to be directly next to someone and not be able to spray down the seats. At this point, she was done talking and instead grabbed the handle of my bag, which contained a very delicate vintage CD player, several loose CDs I was working through on the long journey, my already jacked phone, and several large textbooks. I'm going into the fire service and doing all the walking I do with a heavy bag is really good training on days that I've got no time for a proper workout. And struggling with the weights, she tries to throw it on my lap. In shock, I stood up and shouted, I'll just get off. Delighted, she stood and dramatically tapped her foot and fussed over how long it took me to zip my bag and swing it onto my back, which was six seconds or so. She then looked out of the comfy, disinfected bench as I stood at the bus stop, shaking with anxiety, detolling where she touched my things, and frantically checking if my player had been knocked by my textbooks, as I had no time to properly pack up. Smiling. What is wrong with London? Now listen guys, London is by far and away my favorite city, by a distance, I'll be completely honest, that I've ever been to on the planet. Uh, I've lived there like my entire life. I absolutely love it. However, even I, a massive London advocate, would admit that some people that you do meet out and about, like this woman, are frankly terrible. And with everything going on right now, the pandemic, COVID, social distancing, etc, etc, a lot of people, yeah, OP is right, aren't really respecting the rules as much as they should. I don't know why, if that's just an ignorance thing or a lack of common sense and just basic understanding. But yeah, women like this do exist in london that is for sure i've dealt with a couple of myself it's not great and look i do feel for op clearly she is being so careful about this whole covid thing correctly obviously and when there are people like this that are just making life extremely difficult and being so rude yeah it's tough like i would say to op oh do this 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 and that will sort it in future unfortunately there's nothing you can do in this situation you just have to kind of take it on the chin and accept that this happens it's horrible but what are you gonna do like apart from just having a big eye argument with her spraying germs at one another because she's not even wearing a mask or whatever you, you want to minimize contact as much as you can you don't really have a solution other than just leaving it's tough but during the pandemic like this i don't really know what more you can do sorry even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.